0: April the 22nd, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We got some NBA for you, and uh, I recorded a This Week in Stable Duel live stream earlier on Friday morning, and the back half of it has a bunch of Stable Duel plays for Saturday from Barry Spears and myself, so figured we'd uh, just dish them out here. If it sounds a little weird, there's no intro, it's because I just kind of cut off the back half of our, uh, Of our um, stream from this morning And then we've got an early Moon Knight deep dive Recap and review episode 4 Scene by scene with Tim Kelly So we'll have some NBA, I'll dish out some Friday plays We'll go through each series with Eric Then we'll get into a look at the stable duel plays For Keeneland Saturday with Barry and myself And then the deep dive Moon Knight episode 4 On this Episode of That's What G Said. That's presented by betterthan.vegas at BTV Bets. Give us a follow on Twitter. Every day during the NBA playoffs, we have a live stream for you previewing the games, dishing out best bets with Eric and with Kyle. Tune in 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern Time, Saturday, and on Sunday. Monday and Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Mohawk Mania, previewing the early pick five for Woodbine Mohawk. Every week, there's a Riders Up interview, a jockey interview with uh, one of the awesome athletes out there that has a deal with Fantac. We talk about uh, their career, how they got into racing, and show you some of the merchandise they have over at FanTac. There are baseball shows Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. I am on the Tuesday show so much. It's all free. Everything there to try to make you a better, better. Different handicappers and gamblers all around the world sharing their advice, their analysis, their insight. Better than Dot Vegas. We're going to get into NBA right now with Eric. We go through all of the NBA series. Now, we recorded this on Thursday night when a couple of the games still hadn't finished so in case it sounds like we you know we're talking about a few games that weren't quite over but we get into each of the series and then afterwards I'll give a couple of my plays for Friday NBA talk with Eric NBA. who's
1: hot who's, die, who's, hide, who's
0: Round one of the NBA playoffs Rolls on Eric here with us uh, Again as he has been each and every week Eric you were just getting back from work And uh, we were finishing up Watching the end of the T-Wolves-Grizzlies game I watched the bulk of that game It was nuts The uh, T-Wolves had two I think 15-0 runs And the Grizzlies had a 16-0 run Then they scored the fourth quarter 16-0 they end up outscoring Minnesota 37-12 in the fourth quarter. And so this series now, talk about how things change in the playoffs, right? After game one, feels like, okay, Minnesota's got a legit shot here now. They steal game one. Then they come back. They don't really show up in game two. And then in game three, they have an opportunity to really take a hold of the series. And they blow it late in the fourth quarter. Just uh, one of the stranger games and you know two young teams so this is the kind of thing you see happen
2: yeah I mean just by what you said I can pretty much guarantee it's just a young and experienced team just not knowing how to close a coach who's not really been in that situation yeah I know he's been around nurse in Toronto but I mean that just that just can't happen I mean we saw it in the Nets game when you have an inexperienced coach not understanding how to use timeouts and manage momentums and. Yeah, it was, it definitely was an experience factor. We saw like last year with the Grizz, the Grizz, you know, they needed that series before they took that big step. So hopefully the Timberwolves are the same way.
0: The one thing that is just concerning though is we're finding out now in these big, big games, there just seem to be too many of these games like this for Towns. He played 33 minutes, he was three of four, he had eight points, and he had five fouls. He had four turnovers he he did have five Blocks he did have five rebounds but You know he just You need more from him D'Angelo Russell This was a nice call by you you had the over on His uh, point total tonight he He was the only one who really played all that well Edwards played okay he had 19 points But he got a little bit of that late and They were up big Even with D'Lo sort of being the only one who was carrying the load, and defensively they were playing pretty well, and it just all flipped late. This felt like a great game to steal it because Jaw didn't play all that well. Brooks didn't play all that well again. They, neither one of them shot very well. Jaron Jackson Jr. was in foul trouble early on. They, the Grizzlies were in a lot of early foul trouble. Uh, Jaw had a couple early, so he was out. He, he was out and just kind of struggling to get into flow, and now. All the pressure in the world is going to be on Minnesota To try to even this series on I think they play on Saturday now um, And they play at a, a yeah, I think they play Saturday 10 o'clock Eastern time So that will be game four This series now has shifted back Memphis taking the lead And now Memphis winning this game They basically have kind of stolen Home court advantage back after you go on the road And you take a win here So Memphis can really They're in pretty good shape for a team that hasn't played all that well in three games
2: Yeah, I mean, they're in great shape Um, Even, I mean, like, if you look at the shot quality stuff They realistically should be up 3-0 here after game one And and what's funny, they're
0: not even playing that well either And defensively, they're playing well But it feels like there's still a level when you just look at the like we're saying, shot quality has them projected to be playing a little bit better Because Brooks is a guy who hasn't been able to get on track yet through three Jaws had a couple of games shooting-wise that haven't been all that fantastic So, yeah, there still is a little, like, a ceiling and perhaps another level to get to for uh, for this, this team
2: I mean, I do remember someone coming on your podcast last year Saying that they should move Towns and just have, build the team around Anthony Edwards I'm just saying someone- Yeah, and so someone and, did say that last
0: year. And yeah. here's and here's the thing in that we th- they had a good year this year, right? And so they they've actually done very well. It, you just got to w- wonder when you get to this point, right? Is he someone that like I said in these series in the playoffs is he someone that gets either going to get played off the court or can't have that kind of impact? Because if so, then Is he the guy that you want to continue to be Your focal point they've sort of in a weird Way are kind of in a lucky spot Because sort of like the NFL right When you have this quarterback that's on the rookie contract And that can kind of come in and play Really well sort of what they're getting With Ant they're getting that kind of production From a young player that's sort of producing Like their number one and And it can kind of slot Towns back to sort of Your number two and you have another guy like D'Angelo there but I just Yeah I don't. he can't be your one With without the right type of setup Unless it's like a A 1, 1A, 1B, 1C Type of thing, right? I just He's not the guy that you can go to I don't
2: to think he can be the guy, and I'll well, be honest But, like, but the I problem is, so
0: can, any, can any Big man, because we say the same thing About Anthony Davis, we say the same thing About Joel Embiid, and hell For as much as we give Jokic all the credit In the world, he hasn't won anything Yet right? yeah, I mean, he does how
2: the NBA is played, like you definitely Need A, can, a, a guard
0: Yeah you can't be a one Without a You can be a big man who's the best player On the team but you have to have a guy Who's capable who's clutch Sort of like how the Bucks have Middleton Slot in -hmm. right? Like the role that Middleton has played in prior Years where Giannis can't Always take that Deep kind of perimeter shot And if you need that that's something that Middleton can also do So I I think you have to have the right kind of Personnel right you have to be slotted with someone else, um, to, to help that big.
2: Yeah. You definitely need, like, like I said, you definitely need a wing just because it's not a dump down. It's not the NBA you and I watched as kids growing up. No. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that, um, like I agree with you, you definitely need someone else there to Mm -hmm. a facilitator on the wing, even for someone like Jokic. I mean, it's too bad. Like Murray, I mean, looking at the West right now, I mean, if they had Murray healthy, right. I mean, think about their full really team Murray
0: and Porter yep they would be in fantastic shape and they would have yep. a ceiling right now and you can't say that about any other team because yeah Luca and and they would be fine but if you had Murray and Porter that might take Denver to a new level a new ceiling and uh, sort of a, a little bit of a bummer so okay so we're talking about uh um Denver and uh they're playing a little bit later on this evening so we won't really know by the time our conversation is over Exactly what the looks are in that series But tonight's obviously a big night for them So we don't have to talk too much about that series Because it's hard to know If it's 2-1 to one, Then they got a shot But I will say this I think you and I both backed Denver in the game tonight And I don't yeah. know I don't think even if Denver won this game I would. I don't know if I can get to Finding a way for them to win the series
2: I don't think they can win the series at all Yeah I mean, it would take. I think maybe they can get but two games. Again, off. Like, with how, with how it seems, everyone's dropping like flies. Heaven forbid someone gets hurt. You know, they got a yep. chance. As That'd
0: as be- it's as it's the, exactly. I agree, completely agree with you because it's we don't want to say ever. Well, this can't happen. But if we're looking at the series and these teams as they're currently constructed, I can't see them winning more than two games. I just I can see them winning this game maybe. The Game three or if they don't win game three Maybe they come back and win game four And then maybe they could take one more But I just yeah I don't think they have enough They're not deep enough The Warriors just have too many weapons And they look pretty healthy right now The Warriors are playing
2: great I mean like yeah. how the balls moving from side to side They're playing great And it shows I mean they're the betting favorite right now To win it all
0: So as we're recording on Thursday night the three Thursday games were the Memphis-Minnesota game that we just talked about Golden State plays Denver a little bit after Eric and I are recording And uh, Dallas and Utah are currently playing Game 3 We we also found out Luka did not play in Game 3 And he really wanted to try to get in there But they they didn't want to let him in and risk further injury But even without Luka, Dallas is still, man, they're playing hard They're trying, man it, it, right now, as we talk, they're getting close to halftime And Dallas is up by about 10 right now 54-43, uh, they're up by 11 right now I actually saw Brunson, who's got Brunson's got 15 points before halftime And it looked like he got banged up for a second He just stepped off the court a yeah. minute ago So that would be unbelievable After this guy's been going crazy and going nuts And like playing the Luca role, maybe... Maybe there's an issue with him, but we'll keep an eye on that. So, man, you gotta just give it up to this team who they really just they really battle. They've been they've been playing real so hard without their best player and trying to buy some time for him.
2: They're playing great and it and it upsets me because I was thinking about taking them as a future today. We like them so
0: much too, over front, before yeah. the playoffs without the knowledge that Luca was gonna get injured. And this was a team that I would have backed heavily in trying to bet, you know to win the west and possibly even some uh to win it all and I I when with with the Luka stuff I didn't want to I thought they might have an opportunity to really get beat up but Utah no matter what win or lose this game win or lose this series they are a team that is not going to make it far as currently constructed they just have something r- weird with this group of players cuz on paper they're they're pretty solid if you just compared their roster to most on paper they they'd be one of the better ones but I think they're missing You know like a wing or two Which you really need in this day and age some, t- some of the better teams have the multiple Wings that they can throw at you and they Just don't have that wing type of Player they're a little small in certain Spots and then Gobert is not quite Offensively what you'd Want from him and they just they, f- they have a great Offensive flow they the metrics Are all good but when you watch them play It just it always feels like something's missing With this group
2: yeah um you know defense right now because i had the under 108 and that i'm gonna lose that right now for the first half but yeah they just um they just aren't clicking you know we've kind of talked about it all year you me and kyle on our um btv show that there's just been something with this jazz team you know they just don't click maybe there's some locker room issues or something but they just don't. They just don't have it and unfortunately You know after the great year they just Had you know they're at the stage Where they're gonna you know they're gonna have to Blow it up so
0: I think you gotta do it now You gotta do it after this you can't Just roll it back again with the same exact group Because they've been in situations The last couple years that were Really good for them on paper Eric They were in a situation where it's like you're playing the Clippers and Kawhi gets hurt Yep. What more could you ask for? You look around with the way that the West was the last couple years. Last year the Warriors, you know, the Warriors were were dealing with a bunch of injuries over the last few years. Steph, Clay, Draymond, the Lakers, after their win, they've Anthony Davis has been hurt. LeBron's been banged up. They they haven't been healthy the last two years. You you look around and there have been a lot of opportunities for this Utah team that's been pretty healthy for the most part. They haven't had any major major injuries To their top stars And they still haven't been able to take Advantage of the the opportunity so you gotta You gotta try to, to I think blow it up and we're saying This again this is a series is like a 1-1 Series and they're at home right now but They're down by 13 points almost heading Into the half and You just don't feel like they're going to be able to get Through this and if they do then they're Going to go and they're going to beat Who uh, they're going to beat Phoenix or they're going to beat Golden State. You, you, know, you believe that they're going to do any of that and then go on and beat a good team from the East? No, and this team should be a championship contender. They should be in this conversation by now.
2: They should, and I mean, we heard it kind of last year because Clarkston was getting all the love for six men. I heard stuff that Ingles was jealous of Clarkston. There just seems to be like no real like leadership getting everyone in line in that locker room.
0: Yep, that's what they thought Conley was going to do But it doesn't seem like he has Because you got all the weird stuff with Mitchell and Gobert And yeah, now they're down by 14 right now It's like they're out there in Bertons Who couldn't even get on the court in Washington He's out there drilling, drilling them right now I mean, my streak,
2: my streak of first half unders Finally like
0: You were rolling I on like, that
2: And I you, mean, like, after the first half quarter It looked great. Oh
0: my gosh, Bertans again
2: Oh. I mean, but there has been 69 points scored in this quarter, which is
0: mind-boggling. Nuts. And Dallas has scored 68 in the first half, 68 with 20 seconds to go without Luka. And Brunson, I'm going to look up right now and see what, what what happened when he came out. Brunson hasn't been playing for the last few minutes. Like I said, Brunson, like, hobbled off the court. This yeah, is it's
2: 15 points in 14 minutes.
0: Wow. Which is... Jalen Brunson straight to the locker room holding his back. Oh, that's too bad. Which is a real bummer. And Kleba started the game four of four from three after he went nuts last game. They're just trying for Luca here. And it may they may have caught the right team, right? Because if you think about it for Dallas, we we didn't like this Utah team at all. I was looking to attack them, and it you were just worried about playing any type of series. Price with all of the Luka Uncertainty because it felt like Okay even With all the problems that Utah Has they should be able to beat the team that Dallas is putting out there on the court without Luka But they still have struggled with This team they've still Struggled with them through three games to Hell Dallas like we said Dallas could have won that First game they they performed really well On the the shot quality metrics too so Hey power to Dallas And Jason Kidd a lot of people Sort of laughed at the uh the, the coaching hire And I didn't know if he was going to be a great head coach But you know what He did a really good job as an assistant for the Lakers Everybody thought that he was going to be Scheming and he was going to try to Take over and stab Frank Vogel in the back But he That's what you have to do after you have An incident or a flame out Or something goes poorly for you In in one Role that's in, uh, in one Market Eric you got to go back and be an assistant somewhere, and prove that you can take direction. You can listen. You're not all ego, and then you'll get another opportunity somewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, like he gets a lot of credit for the steps that Giannis and uh, Middleton made in their uh, in their developments. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, the first time you're a coach, even if you were a great player, you know, it's always a little bit of a struggle. Um, but you know, he's they seem to be playing well. Um. You know, we'll see what happens when they get to the next round. If if they get to the next round against Phoenix, Um, I don't know when push comes to shove. You know what what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Because it kind of seems like you said it's kind of like a perfect matchup right now for them when they play a better team like the Suns. Even if the Suns don't have Booker. It'll be interesting to see like what he's able to do there.
1: Yep.
0: Let's talk about some of the games that are on Friday's slate. Three games for Friday, Eric. We got Miami and Atlanta. So they head back to Atlanta now. Atlanta's trying to stay alive. This game is a little bit closer than I might have expected if you just were guessing the line. But um I'm seeing like Miami about about a one or two point favorite. So, right? Yeah. Not not big at all yeah. on the road. Yep. Because no, Atlanta at is a much better If you were just having watched the games or sort of thinking, oh, a one versus a team that was actually like a nine seed and they were able to get in. But Atlanta's actually a pretty good home team and a really bad road team.
2: Yep. Yep. That's them in a nutshell. They struggle at, on the road, they're great at home. And Miami, you know, there's, do they really scare you? You know what no. I mean? At the end of the day, no,
0: they're not, they're not a, they're the type of team that can punch up. Right, I kind of like to play Miami as a dog, but never like as a big favorite because we said they don't have someone that's going to score 25 or 30 points consistently. They they do it as a team, and you worry about some of their shooters getting cold. Right, guys like Hero and Duncan Robinson, they're streaky shooters. I don't know if I trust them game in game out. And then when it comes down to Lowry and Butler, you know how good are they if they're your two best? Trying to stack him up. Bam still has some games where like, he played really poorly in his last game, and I don't, I don't know what to do with him. I really don't like. I want to like him more. I see some glimpses, but I, th- to me, there are too many games where it's just like
2: he just disappears. Yeah, um, doing it a lot? I just don't. Yeah, I mean that under prop with rebounds was the easiest under prop I've ever hit in my life. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Like there's like I know he's coming back from being out, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt, but I just I don't know. There's that there's something about it. We saw in the series last year against the Bucks. He couldn't they just kept putting in pick and rolls. He kept on um you know, he couldn't make anything. You gotta think Nick McMillan's gonna make some sort of adjustment, um, to kind of like stop Jimmy Butler, who had like was actually making three pointers, which is a rarity in this day and age for Jimmy Butler. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really that I think the Hawks will win, you know, I'll definitely be on the Hawks tomorrow. I think the Hawks will win that game and um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can make a series out of it. But end, I think Miami gets it done just because I you know of the coaching and the pedigree and like kind of kind of everything they have. I mean, like if Campello was here, I think the Hawks would actually have a chance.
0: I do too. The matchup would be just a lot different for them. The Capella chemistry with Trey was starting to, was getting really, really good. Collins is in, he's just not there, right? We and that's the thing we keep talking about with these players that are coming back from injuries. You come back from an injury and then you're thrown into an intensity that you're not used to, that you haven't been in all year long. This playoff intensity, this atmosphere here, the pressure, and so I think it's it's a tough spot for Collins right now. In, but I agree with you. I'm a, I'm on the Atlanta side um, on Friday in that spot there. Milwaukee, Chicago, and we found out that Milwaukee is gonna suffer a huge blow with Middleton yeah. out for what? What are you saying? A couple weeks?
2: I'm saying two weeks. I read I, someone tweeted out two to three. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's and stuff like that. It all depends. Like everyone's body's different. You know what I mean? Like, and we don't mm-hmm. know like how. His body's gonna react. Um, the training staff up in Milwaukee is pretty good. I think for this series, they definitely need to get Portis back. Um he's kind of like how can I um you know what I mean? He's just kinda of like their energizer buddy because like Giannis mm-hmm. really doesn't show that much emotion. Holiday does it, Middleton doesn't, but Portis is kind of like yeah, the energizer buddy, the the emotional, the emotional, the emotional.
0: He's like character. a Beverly kind of type, you know. Yeah. Like he gets you all pumped up and jacked up and stuff and he'll he'll hit a big shot for you and he'll make he'll make a lot of hustle plays. The crowd loves him over there.
2: Oh, they hell, love they him. At ha- all. They
0: brought him out of the WWE over yeah, there. They, they love they it.
2: Ab- <laughs> they absolutely love that guy.
0: So this this will be interesting because the so Milwaukee's a is so that you're seeing two point favorite on the road at Ooh. Chicago on Friday, yeah, eight thirty p.m. Eastern time yeah. over under in this game 223 you you and I we had a we had to head to head joint bet on our BTV stream how fun was that one huh the the total I had under 225 and you can tell because I'm laughing about it I was obviously on the winning side of this one Eric had 224 and a half and he had over and it was two twenty-three and there's a foul at the very end of the game. Grayson Allen shoots two for a chance to go over for Eric and push for me, but he misses the first one. So Eric, you ended up being you ended up missing that one by a half a point. I, well, I got it by a point. That was as tight of a bet as there possibly could be.
2: I mean, some nights you have those as gamblers. <laughs> I mean, do. I mean, like I looked at I look at it like this. I had the Nets plus four no plus three and a half they lost for shot quality they should have won i had yep. um the raptors plus the points they didn't cover shot quality said they should have won <coughs> excuse me
1: you okay <coughs> over then, there
2: then, yeah and then i had that under shot quality that as a win too so
0: you, you're on the right side of things you know that in the long run those are gonna hit you got a few bad bounces like we were talking about. I had I had a Excuse couple me. no problem. I had a couple wicked uh, in our props um over the last week or so. I had a Herb Jones one, it was fourteen over fourteen and a half, it ended at fourteen, had a Trey Young one where it was twenty-six and a half, he ended at twenty-five, he was under by one bucket, had uh the Pelicans plus eleven, they ended up or plus ten and a half, it ended at eleven there. You know when you're on the right side of some of those um, you know you're you're making the right wagers, and that uh that you'll get there, Milwaukee. Yeah, you just kind
2: of laugh sometimes and move on.
0: Yeah, and you I just playing. like
2: I just like doing looking at shot quality to see if I was like seeing the right stuff. You know what exactly. I mean? Like
0: yeah, it complements you yeah. with, with with what you are watching. Those those are the type of things. That's why we look at the DVOA metrics, right, in football mm-hmm. outsiders and pro football focus and some of the the advanced metrics because. We watch the games, and I think that's where you and I, 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 and I knock on wood. I think that's why we succeed a little bit because there are a lot of people that look a lot at the numbers and stuff, but they—that's—they're just numbers people, right? They don't yeah. watch visually. They'll—they'll they'll just go straight on their numbers. Here's my system. Here's my formula that I'm gonna play. But I think that you're—you're you're gonna miss some things if you're not watching it too.
2: You're yeah, gonna, you gotta, yeah, make sure it matches up.
0: And and so that's what's great is that. We watch the games, we rewatch the stuff, and then we are able to dive into those, so you'll say, "Oh, you know what? that's what it looked like to me, and it matches that's when it comes together and, and that's when you feel really good about about the wagers that you're making so Chicago, you know defensively, my guy Caruso he's all over the place, he's playing well, he's given them a little bit of a boost, and so is Patrick Williams, so their defense is actually it's not as bad as it might look, and it might have been throughout a lot of the year but Offensively they still the problem Is is guys like Caruso and Patrick Williams when they're out there for you Playing good defense they're not Going to give you a whole ton Offensively Caruso will make some good Passes and get some hustle plays and rebound He can hit an open shot here and there but They they need the kind Of superhuman performances that they got from DeMar and he's just not going to score 40 Points every game
2: no not At all and I mean the Bucks are turning the ball over you know they just don't they just look flat. They really just look flat. Like really, really flat. And this is a team that's um, we've seen. After the when they have these extended breaks, they just don't look good.
0: And maybe this is the kind of thing for them where we've sort of talked about it all throughout the year, and you've mentioned this a lot. And I and I know this as a, I've seen this with the Lakers many times. That that year after you win the title, it's when you have the the same exact group too it's nice because you're experienced and you know you know like you're proven and you really trust your team but it's sort of hard you need you need like a a new one new player somebody who hasn't won yet that's kind of hungry and and kind of wants to push you a little bit because it's easy to get kind of complacent and just want to get right back to the finals again and think you can turn it on there it's hard it's really hard the The Lakers I can think of The one year where you know our test Came in and that was really nice for them because He was driven he was motivated And he really really wanted to win And he hadn't won before and You know I look at the Lakers When they won after the bubble and then they Came back the next year and they were just sort of like Really kind of taking it slow going through the Motions Um, Sometimes that's, that's kind of what Milwaukee Has felt like for a while and maybe This will be something that Hey, Middleton's not there now. You can't mess around anymore. Everybody's yeah, got to lock they, down and step their step game up, up now.
2: You know, and I mean, I, I think not having PJ there is huge. You know, no P, PJ Tucker. Yep. Um, just like little things like that. I think that's are really huge. But um, yeah, they definitely need to stop turning the ball over. Um, expect a good game from Holiday. I I think Holiday's going to look to be a little bit more um aggressive. I think he's been a little passive the last two days, last mm-hmm. two games. I think he's going to look to be a little bit more taking it on, um, you know, being a little bit more aggressive, growing. But they need they need Portis. I mean, like that's big for me. They need Portis. Um, and they need a little bit more from uh, Connington, who last year shot great. This year, you know, he's not been shooting great in, in the first two games from deep.
0: So Milwaukee. I still, you know, I'm still going to say Milwaukee in like 6 or so, but I think this I I thought this was m- probably going to be a sweep honestly. We were I was struggling trying to find ways that the Bulls were going to win, but their defense has playing been playing a lot better. They've been forcing some turnovers. Milwaukee's been playing a little bit sloppy and now I would not be shocked To see Chicago take another game off of them Maybe not this one I do think Milwaukee comes back and wins this game And then maybe Chicago wins game four And then maybe Milwaukee wins the next two But I think this is a little bit more of a series now I still think Milwaukee will wear them down But like always You never want to give any team more life than they should have. This was a series that Milwaukee should have been able to come in and pr- and handle pretty easily. And now you're going to have to deal with an injury, and and you've kind of made it a little bit harder on yourself than it should have been.
2: Exactly, exactly. And but it all comes down to the end of the day. You can't have turnovers and expect to win in the playoffs. No, nope. and that's what's going on with Milwaukee. They're turning the ball over way too much.
0: We move to Phoenix, New Orleans This is going to be Friday night at 9.30pm Eastern time And we will preview all three of these games individually And we'll get into some more of the props We'll talk about any um, last minute news Or players, uh, player headlines On Friday 6 o'clock mm-hmm. p.m. Eastern Time, BTV Bets. You can follow us on Twitter there at BTV Bets. And then Saturday and Sunday mornings, we will preview the Saturday games and the Sunday games. We'll be there at noon Eastern Time. And we will be, uh, during the week, sometimes we have to record a little bit early, but on the weekend, we'll be there live. So if you want to come and you want to ask any questions, you want to share any of your plays with us, if you have a, a question about a prop that you're looking to play, we'll definitely. Uh, love to answer your questions and would love to uh to kind of share some of our thoughts with you i think we were able to steer a couple people in the right direction last week so hopefully uh we can do yeah yeah um
2: one of the guys um mr minns was that his name yeah i think so yeah he um sent me a message yesterday asking when we're going to be live again so So uh we'll be yeah i mean it was it was a good time like i've never done that before and i had a great time interacting with everybody. So that was that was fun. Hopefully uh you know you guys can stop by on Saturday and we can do it again.
0: Okay, let's get into Phoenix New Orleans. How about my boy BI Brandon Ingram, man? He I will say he um he was one guy who I thought would always at least be pretty decent come playoff time if he got an opportunity there because the one thing that's nice about him is he can get his own shot at any point. Because of his size and his length You can't block his shot And he's really worked himself into being A fantastic mid-range guy He hits the corner of the free throw line And he he really knows his spots now He'll go right to it He'll hit that And if you can't force him out of there And kind of body him and make him uncomfortable He'll go right to that spot over and over And then when you step up on him He's so long that he'll kind of drive the lane He's gotten a lot better at Dealing with contact, he's really improved his game overall. At in in New Orleans, the last couple of years, having to sort of be the guy to be the number one, and now you've got CJ McCollum coming in, who's an excellent complement uh, offensively. You have a guy like Ingram who gets cooking, and then you got CJ there. All of a sudden, Devin Booker goes down after he's had 31 points through, you know, two and a half, not even three full quarters, and. Uh, I don't think New Orleans has enough to win the series, but man, they came back and made a pretty good run in game one. They cut the game to 87-81 after only scoring 34 points in the first half. So this team is not going to lay down. A uh, couple of their top guys really fight. They have a couple of young kids, too, in Jones and Murphy, that battle. And they're not that deep, but th- there's a little something there with them, and they, they sure fight.
2: Yeah, they definitely have something. on um kinda of crazy. Um the big um um Valanciunas. the bi when he came out oh the big durant yeah the big yeah, comparison yeah. everyone said he was Durant and um you know my buddy you know played played college ball won a national championship played with the heat won uh won a title with LeBron him and I talk all the time about basketball we grew up playing together and he goes to I, I I asked him about it and he said his his comment to me was Ingram moves better with the ball, without the ball, than Durant does. And that I kind of, like, kind of, like, raise that off a little bit. But in watching Ingram right now against the Suns and Durant against the Celtics, I can actually see that now. Because Durant can't V cut at all. It's just give him the ball kind of at the top of the key. When you see Ingram, Ingram moves a lot better without the ball than I gave him credit for. That's really sticking out to me. Um, CJ, this just kind of proves CJ was kind of in a wrong spot in Portland. Um, you have two small guys. Uh, CJ should have been a point guard right away. So, you know what I mean? It kind of shows that build what they're trying to do in Utah. Mm-hmm. Because defense,
0: unfortunately, yeah. those guys could light it up offensively. But defensively, you could always attack them. So, if either one of them was having a subpar offensive game, they would lose. They would both but need I mean, to be, have- like, incredible, too. And like you said, it was like a, it was an overlap of skills that was unnecessary.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, um, your boy Herb Jones, uh, my old man goes, oh my God, that's a right-handed Stacey Augman, which (laughs) he kind of is, you know what I mean? This kid is legit, dude. He's good. Defense, like not that much in the offensive end yet. But just an energizer, buddy, and he's
0: long. He's long,
2: plays, so long he and athletic. he hustles.
0: So he cuts. Yeah. He'll get some rebounds, put him back in, and he's developed enough of a three pointer right now that you got to sort of step out on him, you know, yep. enough to just keep you honest. That's all you need.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. And I think I think he's great. Um, I think that was a hell of a pick. But when it gets to there, everyone kind of gives like the GM credit. I always say the pick kind of fell in their lap. Yeah. you know what I mean, like because everyone else, like if everyone thought he was this good, you know, then why didn't they go like, take him? Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's one of those double edged swords. But yeah, Pelicans got something cooking. Uh, Willie Green, hell of a coach, doing a great job. It's gonna be interesting to see. um, You know, you hear all this stuff like about Zion and everything, but with everything you're seeing about. The culture they have right there.
0: Why would you bring him why? into it,
2: right? These guys well, seem no, like they. What I'm saying like what I'm saying is like for next year. Everyone's saying like Zion wants to go. He wants a bigger market, whatever. If I'm Zion Williams, why wouldn't I not want to be part of that? Exactly. You know oh yeah, yeah. I, mean? yeah,
0: I, I exact I don't bring him in this year. But if you're Zion and you look around at the guys there, what other situation or with some of the other pieces, like where do you want to go, right? They just brought in CJ there. Ingram's playing well. They have a couple other young pieces, like we said, with Murphy, with Trey Jones. I don't, I, I, it's not, the grass isn't always greener. You know, everyone always thinks that there's a better situation for them, but sometimes the situation that you're in isn't as bad as you think. And
2: kind of like you see, and I hate to say this analogy, you see that 50 year old dude who has that nice wife. Mm-hmm. And he decides thinks he
0: can go get the younger he, girl, he, or they he's they gonna go out they, to the clubs, yeah, and,
2: yeah, you know. and then nobody wants anything to do with him. so nope. it, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the analogy I'm gonna make with Zion Williams Williamson if he leaves um
0: New Orleans. Hawkins. yeah, let's talk about some of the games slated for Saturday. We've already talked about the a little bit about the Dallas, Utah, and Memphis, Minnesota series, so we don't need to hit on those. But the early Saturday game is Toronto trying to uh, survive. They are down three games to none and Embiid hit that crazy three. <laughs> so, so
2: let me so. just say this, like that play right there, that play design, like toward the end with Embiid and threes and everything. Now, don't get me wrong. You look at the big men in the NBA, like who could make that shot? Like, a, like a three pointer Davis, him, um, Joker, uh, maybe Lopez. Cause he's developed a three pointer. Those are probably the only guys that are, Big that could make that shot. um so hell of a shot, but that's the play design after the timeout. You know what I mean like that's which kind and of which my is point and my issue with Philadelphia
0: which is really funny because you know what and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Doc this year has been fan which, and
1: which has been crazy. fantastic <laughs> I know,
0: I know. on shot quality. Out of the timeouts and I've read that on a And, and it's more than just shot quality it's like on, on a few different places if you look at His success out of timeouts which Is some of those things where if It happens for a year Then maybe it can be kind of fluky right so Maybe we'll monitor this like in, in the next Couple years and see but Maybe it's it's enough to say that He sort of knows what he's doing with Those but man you're right like I just don't trust Him in, in situations but I but... mean, like
2: Think about it like okay what are we gonna do Are we gonna throw it to the... And be down by the block. For it's like, and turnaround. why you don't no, need no. a
0: three right there? Yeah, that's the problem. You don't need a three. You were tied. All you needed was M V to get fouled. Throw the ball up yeah. to him. Let him do a little turnaround at the free throw line. And if they foul him, he goes and shoot free throws, and he's awesome. I don't. I I completely agree with you. It doesn't. That that it wasn't.
2: It just.
0: Was, you weren't down three. He didn't hit a turnaround three to go to overtime. He was incredible, and it was and And, like I said, it's just a it's like a low percentage shot call though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, so he he but it's gonna look good on shot quality and those advanced metrics when he when he has it. I mean, Toronto was just in a little bit of trouble when when they got kind of banged up because they needed to be really healthy and and to have that sort of bunch of small switchable guys that are gonna really hustle win rebounds, get out and transition. And when they don't have one or two of their real Key pieces operating at 100% they just get Worn down by Embiid And, and what we've seen honestly in this series Is some of the others Have really stepped up it's been Maxi who was open and when He's had lanes and open shots he's hit him Harris has had a couple very good Games where sometimes he goes Missing you don't even know where he Is but he stepped up and that was Going to be key I think when we Kind of broke their series down we talked about The way Toronto was going to play Harden and Embiid and They're going to try to make the other guys beat Them and Harden's just sort of Played okay he's actually been a pretty Good facilitator he hasn't tried to do Too much scoring he's made some pretty good Passes and, and some good looks they're going to need more From him against a better Team but it, it, it's been The other guys for Philly so as much As um, I wasn't quite sure if The matchup was going to work for them they've They've done a pretty good job of exploiting it, and uh, they're up three games to to nothing. Do you think we get like a gentleman sweep here? Do you think Toronto pulls one out?
2: I'm still miserable. I mean, like when you play out that final sequence for me, not to cover that two and a half is just mind boggling. So they didn't.
0: They were never <laughs> not up by more. Did you? I I I think I, s- I had the stat. I wanted to because I I knew you had that one, so I I had it saved for you somewhere. Let me see if I got it. Um, they 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 were never covering at any point of the game except for that until they hit that three which like
2: and i mean that's the thing like you just have to laugh you know what i mean like
0: when you lose like that
2: i mean like literally all you can effing do is laugh i mean they had um you know it's just well you know harden missed the three like harden missed the three throw at the 49 second mark um then the big guy that they have Missed two, three throws. Um, Tobias Harris missed a four foot layup. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I think they're. I'd, I'd be shocked if Toronto would win it. I mean, they'll fight, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they just, if they had Barnes, I mean, they'd have a chance, but just not having Barnes was just too much for him.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like so. they're just one or two bodies down there. And, um, We'll see if they can uh, try to extend the series as they are down three games to zero. So Philly uh, a Philly win would put them uh, to play the winner of Miami-Atlanta, correct? Correct. They would move on there as uh, we get to the final series to discuss. This game is going to be the Saturday night game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We got Boston-Brooklyn game one. Brooklyn had the lead. Tatum hits a game-winning layup at the buzzer. Game two, Brooklyn's up early. They were up like 10 to nothing to start the game and Kevin Durant is just struggling to get his shot off. They are playing fantastic defense on him. They're making him work. He's kind of just missing some he's he's also missing a few shots that he probably would make, but that's all that's in in relation to some of the defense that they're playing on him. You start to make someone uncomfortable and then he's he speeds things up. He doesn't kind of move. That's the one thing about Durant that makes him so difficult to guard and what what's incredible when you watch him. He plays at such a smooth, like, pace He just sort of dribbles up And just kind of, like, walks into those Threes or top-of-the-key, you know Mid-range shots where it's like Oh, damn it, he just hit that You know it And he's not They're not letting him do that at all
2: In this series But it so goes far. It goes back to the point my, my my friend made He can't V-cut and do the movement stuff Off the ball no. Everything, like you said, is dribble up Yep Or they give it to him high 100% He can't move at all without the ball yep and it's just at the point right now boston has the athletes on defense to exploit that my Mm -hmm. biggest issue with boston is and this started last year when i would come on your podcast is i always said how the ball wouldn't move how it's stick in tatum or brown's hands you look at that last possession where they won it um on the smart to tatum layup every single player Touch the ball and that's the difference Between this year and last year Um, Tatum's moving the ball he's got 16 assists in two games Um, And it changed
0: changed For them in the middle of the year because it didn't start the year This way they they looked bad At the beginning of the year they were at one point In the 11 spot about Halfway through the season and they Flipped the switch they've been fantastic On defense fantastic offensively Al Horford looks rejuvenated Al Horford outplayed
2: Kevin Durant The other night as crazy as it sounds, he was and a better player on the court. But I'll say this, though, this is the thing that I didn't understand. Like, you're watching the game, and it's obviously Boston has all the momentum. Why isn't any timeout being called? All you see is Steve Nash with his hands on the side doing the calm down motion.
0: He let and him go too long, way was, too long.
2: Where was Kyrie Irving? Like, why? Durant, he curled up like, into
0: a ball after he was know, flipping he everybody getting, off.
2: He wasn't getting the ball though. You know yeah, what I mean? Know. It was at the end of the game, everything was just Durant ISO. Where, you know what I mean? Like where they're at their best in my eyes, where they do the pick and roll with either Durant or Irving with Bruce Brown. They run twos at him. Bruce Brown has the ball, three throw line extended. He goes in, he does that little floater, or he hits it to Curry in the corner. To me, that 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 play they do is phenomenal. Where was that? It was all ISO with mm-hmm. Durant. It's so
0: easy to guard yeah. it's so easy and, to yeah. defend
2: the ball's not moving i mean but the thing is right now is as gamblers we got to look at value right now the nets are 20 to 1 i mean in my eyes at 20 to 1 you look at it you know that's worth i don't know like let's say let's say you normally put 100 bucks on the game i'd say that's worth putting 25 bucks on sure you know what i mean like mm-hmm. whatever your quarter unit size is I think that's worth throwing 25 bucks on just because it's such a high I, ROI number. Yep. And you have Durant and Kyrie which, you know, he's
0: they're going home and yeah. he's gonna play better. Durant was yeah. 0 for 10 in the second half from the field. Mm-hmm. 0 for
2: 10. And like, yeah, and you're never going to get 20 to 1 on them probably again or I mean if they lose maybe but I just I think that that's got some value on it. Um I think i it didn't make sense, like why they weren't going with um Claxton more. I really thought I mean my I agree. pops it I know I think they're just better with with Claxton there much better um, i I think Dr- goran should get a little bit more run um he he's looking good, he's got the playoff experience too, and they just need to lose use Brown, but at the end of the day, um I just don't think that. Nash is the guy to lead them To a championship They may get past the series But in terms of winning it I don't think Nash has that personality To lead them to a ship If that makes sense, coaching wise uh, You can definitely tell Who's the Boston coach? I can't pronounce his
0: name Udo You can
2: definitely tell He got in Tatum and Brown's face mm-hmm. And was like, look guys This is not fine This is what we need to do Because the way they played the game has changed. So he stood up and he challenged them. And there was definitely a switch in how they played and showing right now. Is Nash going to do that to Durant? I don't think so. You know, there definitely has to be. No,
0: he's not doing that to Kyrie either.
2: Yeah, there has to be some sort of authoritative figure there. I think this Nash experiment hasn't worked at all.
0: Eric, uh, will be talking NBA with me each and every day Of the NBA playoffs over on BetterThan.Vegas At BTV Bets on Twitter We'll talk Friday We'll get into uh, some more specifics about our plays for Friday Any props and uh, stuff that we're looking at And then Saturday morning we'll be there at noon Eastern time Eric, what do you have coming up on your podcast this week, buddy?
2: Um, we did an NFL draft My buddy Sterling and I, we did a first round mock for the nfl draft or you know we just
0: that went next through week? that's next week
2: dude that is the 20 that week from the day my friend
0: 28th week, yeah
2: week from the day of the nfl draft so we did an nfl draft uh word on the street is xfl jim's gonna come back on and we're gonna talk a little usfl and my buddy brandon is gonna come on and we are gonna talk a little nascar so yeah just that didn't like all we do is just give out bets, that's it Just bets, 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 bets You know, we've been doing pretty good Hopefully we can, uh, you know, keep the train of moving
0: Look forward to uh, getting some action this weekend uh, I'll be tuning in later on this weekend Eric, buddy, thank you so much And uh, we'll be talking some NBA all throughout the uh, the playoffs Sounds good, my man You'll hear Eric here each and every week And uh, and uh, we'll be together on BTV Bets For, uh, for playoff previews, props, and uh, game totals each and every day Don't go anywhere folks A lot more on this episode of That's what she said Thanks to Eric for checking in again with us So since we're talking And it's early on Friday and, and many of you may hear this Early on Friday Before the Friday games Here are some of the plays I'm looking at On the Friday slate So we've got Miami and Atlanta I'm playing the Hawks money line at plus 106 They're just a much better home team Some props I'm looking to attack I am going to go Kyle Lowry over 13.5 points for Miami. In his first two games, he only had 10 and then 9. He is projected in in Game 2, he was projected to score 4.4 more points by shot quality, and he was one of the top five underperformers from April the 19th. In his final 10 games of the year, he averaged 17.4 points per game, and I'm going to think Lowry has a big one, and I'm going to go the opposite way with Jimmy Butler. His total is 24.5, he was four of seven from three in game two. He scored 45 points. He's only shot, literally, only attempted four threes four times in the last 20 playoff games. He only averaged 21.4 points per game this year. His last 20 playoff games, he's gone over 24.5 four times. Three of those were in the NBA Finals against the Lakers a couple years ago. I'm going Butler under points, 24.5, Lowry over 13.5, Hawks, money line. In the first game, Milwaukee, Chicago. I feel like everyone's going to jump kind of on Chicago or maybe not be as excited to go bet Milwaukee or play Milwaukee after Middleton got hurt. Milwaukee hasn't really looked all that great in their first two, but shot quality had the Bucks winning 92% of the time in game two. They actually thought that game was a 125 105 score more times than not because the Bulls were expected to score nine less points on threes. They shot 12 of 25 from three, 48%. Milwaukee was expected to score 7 more points on free throws. The Bucks were expected to play 10% better offensively, and Giannis was expected to score 9 more points based on the shots he took. Milwaukee had 15 turnovers, and now with the Bulls heading home, no Middleton. I think this is a really good spot for Milwaukee to dig down and show some of their championship pedigree. I think they're going to play much, much better here. I like Milwaukee minus the 1.5. We move along to... DeMar DeRozan I'm going to go under 29 and a half points he shot 16 of 31 from the field, he was 9 of 9 from the free throw line. He had an incredible game, two uh, with 40-plus points. I'm going under the 29.5 points for DeMar. I think that number is just a little too high based off that last outing. And then Drew Holiday. This is one that Eric mentioned a couple days ago, and I'm going to ride it with him. Over the 21.5 points for Drew Holiday with no Middleton. Drew shot 6 for 16 in both games, 1 and 2. He had 15 in each one of them. I think you're going to get a better outing for him with no Middleton around. So, I'm go Bucks. Minus the one and a half, two best number you can find, uh, DeMar DeRozan, under 29.5 points. We head to the final game of today, Phoenix at New Orleans. I'm going to do the same thing here with Phoenix. I'm going to take Phoenix and the short as the short-road dog. I think with Booker getting injured, the Pelicans have played really well. A lot of people jump sort of on the Pelican side because they're heading home. I'm going to take the Suns minus the 1.5, and I'm going to go to Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder has scored... Scored uh, only 5 points. He shot 2 for 11 and was 0 for 5 from 3 in Game 2. He's 0 for 9 from 3-point range in two games so far. Shot quality had him projected to score 5.4 more points, which made him the second highest underperformer in the April 19th games. Without Booker, he's going to get more opportunities. I'm going to play Jay Crowder to score over 9.5 points, and I'm also going to Play Jay Crowder at three plus three pointers. If he scores three, if he hits three or more threes, it's plus 194. Last year in the playoffs, Crowder hit at least three threes. Three different times in all four of the series they were in. He was 12 of 22 games going three threes made or over. And we could get that at plus 194. So give me Crowder over the points and Crowder over. Over the threes, I'm gonna boom. Bu- I'm gonna bump that up to three threes to get it at a bigger plus number. That's NBA for Friday, and uh, we'll be talking every single day NBA playoffs on Better Dot Vegas coming out with us on Saturday morning, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, and on Sunday morning, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time for previews of the Saturday and Sunday NBA playoff games. Mm-hmm. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts For replays if you get the formulator version And even on the classic past performances You get the home screen with horses With odds, with buyers You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph You can rotate your phone for the best view And any horse that you click on You'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional Classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. In just two weeks, we'll be firing up those DRF pass performances for Louisiana Downs opening day. May the 7th. I've been speaking with the folks at Louisiana Downs. I'm going to be helping them out on their broadcast, on their simulcast, doing some handicapping for them. And we'll be handicapping and, uh, and analyzing their races every day they race here on That's What G Said and on social media. So opening day is on Kentucky Derby Day on Saturday. And they race Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday every week. And they will be running from May all the way through the end of September. September the 27th, we'll have a lot of Louisiana Downs to play. Uh, Every day on this show, I'll probably be tackling that late pick four. It's a low takeout late pick four, 15%, 50 cent based wager. So we'll be diving into that and uh, looking forward to helping out Louisiana Downs in any way that they need, providing coverage here. We'll remind you every day that they're racing about LAD. So up next... If you uh, didn't know, that every Friday morning we have a live stream that breaks down all the Stable Duel games, contests, talks about big races for the weekend. Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis joined me this weekend. It was just me and Barry Spears. And normally I record m- most of my podcast and have them out by Thursday evening. But since this week we had this one coming out a little bit later, I figured, why not? Well, uh, I just cut this the all the Saturday stuff off. Of, uh, of that live video stream, and I plugged the audio here on it. So uh, if you want to check out the audio, you can go and follow me on, on Twitter. It's me, Gino B., or you can follow, find a stable duel, and you can pull up the video there and take a look as we dive into the DRF past performances. But Barry Spears joins me for some stable duel Saturday plays. We get all through the Keeneland Saturday card.
1: To spread your pony knowledge by. Oh, oh I got a place where winning ain't tough to do. You wanna be cool? Stable Duel. Your horse racing fantasy come true. But no, no, no. Stable
0: Duel. Do. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. As we turn the page on over to Saturday, so you said you've got a couple at Gulfstream for Saturday, right? Let's. Uh...
3: Um, no, I don't. Just no, just, just, uh, Keeneland. Just, just Keeneland. Just, yeah. Okay,
0: awesome. Yeah, let's just uh, let's bounce on over to Keeneland because I got pretty much uh, some thoughts. We can we can roll through most of the Keeneland card for Saturday. And uh, my first play is in race number two. Where do you kick things off at Keeneland for Saturday? Uh, race four. Okay, so I'll start early in race two And we'll make our way up to race number four In the second Saturday over at Keeneland Um, You know, might be time for me soon, my good friend (sighs) to drink a little rum and tonic right here. I think it might be time <laughs> after a, a tough day at work, you know, you got to pop them open early on. So rum and tonic is at six to one on the morning line. This is a great stable dual type horse to use. Cause we'll only cost you 3000 in your stable dual lineup. So rum and tonic will get Lasix for the first time. And it's just kind of simple, right? They're going five and a half on the turf. I think we just key off the t- the turf debut sprinting mm. uh, at Kentucky came back, went a mile on a yielding turf course. So you have multiple reasons why you can put a line right through that October 8th race. It was on a yielding turf course and they were going a mile that day. We know he's better going shorter. He finished a good fourth with a wide trip at Kentucky going six and a half in a big field of 11. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. He looks like he's training very well at Keeneland right now and should be ready to rock for this effort. I think it's a good spot for the number seven, Rum and tonic, and it's right on that stable dual uh average. So, six thousand, six to one, five thousand in your stable dual lineup. That's basically the average you're shooting for every race.
3: Well, well I tell you what, th- <laughs> we're, we're gonna find out if all these maker horses with bullets off the layoff are gonna run or not, <laughs>
1: right? You're, there's a few <laughs> of them. I know
0: we will find out and we will uh we'll know this weekend because in race number two, I'm all over rum and tonic. Uh, others in here that made sense like the one i i wouldn't talk people off the one the only problem with the one is their draw if draw, the one yeah. was drawn more towards the outside i would like the horse a lot more but i'm just worried about the trip she gets she might get that shuffle back from the inside trip or they might have to take her way back and then i could see her like late on the scene for a minor award i wish she was drawn more towards the outside uh the four actress is one that'll probably take a little bit of money here Ran into In Dreams, Love on the Rocks, in a tough spot on the dirt, two back. But I'm on Rum in Tonic. Why is the rum gone? And uh,
1: <laughs> that, that gentleman's
0: been in the news. as of. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> lot going on over there. The one thing I will say, was, we have a, a group chat with some of my buddies who are wrestling fans. And it's like, I did not know that Kevin Kevin Nash was the guy, apparently, that Johnny Depp's wife was out at the party like hooking up with. At the Magic Mike premiere, Kevin Nash, former Diesel from, from WWE and WCW. Wild, and it was like, man. mind blown. Like, I I could – you never know in, nowadays, like, where it's going to go. We're like, Johnny Depp leading us to Kevin Nash, big daddy cool Diesel. So, uh yeah, crazy stuff in the news nowadays. But we turn the page to race number three this is one where it's not necessarily one that I love, love, but there are two horses that I wouldn't talk anyone off of using and they they will be okay. Prices both the two and the three um, coffee with Alex is one that I think you can just look right back on and say, okay, let's put a line through the turf race mm-hmm. last time out horse didn't run all that well on the turf now gets back to the dirt and would make a lot of sense. You see the debut race was behind Cyberknife. going seven furlongs at Keeneland was not a bad effort. And then, you can put a line through the race in the slop at Churchill downs. And now things make a little bit of sense for this horse. When you go race by race and you go, oh, okay, well now the whole, the whole career makes sense. And the two is one that, you know, you can eliminate the January race because that was a race sandwiched by layoffs. They hadn't run from April to January, show up in January at Turfway, Something probably went wrong because it mm-hmm. didn't run at all. And then is has gone for a few months shows back up at Keeneland and unfortunately he runs into a really tough group, Uh dream shake. I liked a lot last year. And remember the, some of the races that this horse ran last oh, year, yeah. he ran that awesome Pat day mile when he threw it down with Jackie's warrior. And so he had not run since August. He showed back up in his first start as a four-year-old and he looked really, really good. Third place finisher in this race is named Milliken. He's not a bad horse either. Um, he he's run into a couple sharp horses like reinvestment risk and injunction and and Olympiad. So he's been a little bit unlucky in losing to some nice horses. I, I think that it's a good spot for both of these two horses to run. Well, these would be horses that I would use in my early pick fives and stuff. So in stable duel, they're fine. You won't have to spend up either a ton on either one of them if they fit for you. So if you like either of them, um i kind of would compliment them i expect wellman to run a lot better you can just toss the last two and think yeah on the quick
3: turnaround that that's really what stood out to me is is the horses come back in 12 days yep um you know after having what looks like some physical issues so the horse is clearly doing well this is just a better spot than that first one
0: yep much better spot and uh for the two and the three, Wellman Coffee with Alex, a couple that I will be using in early exotics. So, wanted to share them with you if you're uh, looking for a play in race number three. But you said you've got one in race number four, I believe, yes, right? Sir. Yes, okay, sir. Okay, my friend, you lead us to where you want to go in the fourth.
3: Uh, we're going with number six, Emerald.
0: Okay, tell us about Emerald.
3: Um, now this is a a, a maiden claimer, fifty thousand dollar price tag. Um, again. It's just a, a bunch of horses that are, are kind of going in different directions here. Yep. You know, this is, you know, I, I like playing these kind of races in in, a, in any situation, um, let alone, you know, stable duel, because they, they always yield some sort of price. Um, Emerald it fits kind of the scenario that I like to concentrate on when I see races like this and I see horses like this. So you see a horse like Emerald starts off made in special weight, which is clearly not where that horse should be. I think they figured that out after the second yep. race on September 24th, last year comes back at this same level. And that's what is real the key to me where the horse runs a race that's similar to what they were running at maiden special weight, second time at the level is like all systems go. Second yep. second time Lasix, uh second off the long layoff. Second off the long layoff, getting the go-to rider for the barn.
0: Um horse that you ran into, Mercy Warren came back and, and won, won. R- right. really impressively at Keeneland in a 50 starter by seven and a quarter.
3: Yeah, and, and I and honestly, I don't know how this horse is. This high on the line, I would would have thought that this horse would be a little bit lower.
0: This is a seven to two, right? Like that's this horse feels to me like a horse feel. Yeah, me. some
3: somewhere around there, maybe even three to one. Because yeah, you know, you look at a horse at Sail. It, yeah, okay, the horse has been kind of running in main special weight races, but just running. I mean, yeah. I don't understand how this horse merits a five to two in a race like this over a horse like Emerald who only has three starts. I, I mean,
1: More you outside. could look at the
3: buyer numbers, I guess, but that really doesn't mean anything <laughs> when, yeah. you know, this, this horse has already He's had eight crowned. cracks at it.
1: Yeah. Right.
3: And, and obviously the, 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 the class relief is going to do that horse well, but I can't say that that horse should be the favorite here. No. Um, you know, and, and watch the horse just run by everybody. Dog just crushes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is but I'm willing price. to take it. No. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want that. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, that's why Emerald stuck out to me,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, for the reasons I mentioned. And then the, the other horse that kind of piqued my interest was the 11, the outside horse, uh, Jewel of the Kid. Um, you know, you could totally forgive that one race on the yep. turf and dropping back down into, you know, uh, a maiden claimer situation uh, for Barnett does well with those kind of um, moves. And getting top rider. So it it's it's really tough here. But you know, if if you can if you want to take two there, I would take both of those two. But you know, I, I think Emerald's really, really a likely winner here. So that that's who I'm gonna go with.
0: I will throw in a little bit of a bomb here with the four baby blue eyes. So I mean they're just gonna go. Like I know I for, for me, so th- it could be a little bit scary with a horse like this in Stable Duel because this could be a horse that gets the lead and then stops and, <laughs> and you get the minus 30, right? It could be brutal, but I feel like you're going to get a really good run for your money with a horse who's going to be on the lead. They will be forwardly placed in the career start, in the career debut. The only time they were on the dirt, it was a really tough race. They ran into optionality, optionality put together three wins in a row at that point, came out of that race to win the Zia Princess, then won the trapeze, then finished second in the Martha Washington, ran into Secret Oath a couple different times. The (laughs) 2nd place finisher there, Come On Sweet Love, came out of that race to win and then finished second in the stakes over at Fairgrounds, which was not a bad effort on December the 27th. So I think that was a very live race back in the dirt sprint. Only time this course has been on the dirt. Went on the synthetic. And in both of those synthetic races... Showed some tactical speed, but I think now you got the blinkers on, you're stretching out, first start off the claim, you got a bullet work here at Keeneland, you gotta just go. Like, that's the game plan. Send this horse hard. There's not really any like, for sure need the lead type speeds in here. There are a couple who will probably forwardly placed i think like the nine will be asked for some speed because they showed a little sprint speed before but i think the nine would be very content just sitting off the four letting the four go and and, like sitting second so at 15 to one only cost me with 500 bucks in my stable dual lineup if i can get this horse to hit the board in here and pick up some points with some of that early speed i'll be able to uh to build Pretty nicely throughout the rest of my Saturday. So, in race number four, a couple different opportunities for you. And one thing that always happens in a race where Barry, myself, and Matt attack the same race, it's because we think the favorites are vulnerable. It's because it's a race where the short price horses we don't necessarily love. And there are races like, where people ask me sometimes, so you like never play a favorite. And I I go, well, I never bet a short price horse to win, but I, I, I definitely have pick fours and pick fives where I have some of those horses on my tickets, but our whole point of, you know, the shows that we do here is why are we going to tell you about two to one horses that you don't really need a lot to be told about, right? Those are sort of logical, obvious horses that if you want to use them, sure. in those, some of those races, but we're trying to get you, To horses that you may not have seen Or things that may not be on your radar uh, Something a little bit outside the box You know, to find those horses to lead you to So I think that's always the point of being Like a public handicapper, you know It's a little different when you have to You have to put a pick out for every race Versus, Mm -hmm. like what we're doing here We're picking and choosing our best spots On the weekend, so we're going to attack The big prices that we like Totally understand, I've been in situations where You gotta put up a pick for every race of the day Or every race of a meet and then sometimes, for sure, you're going to be putting the favorites on top there and just say, yep, I think this is a race that the short price wins. And I probably won't bet it a whole lot. Or maybe I try to play the tries and supers underneath. But I just wanted to mention that because I had a few people say, it seems like you never pick the favorites. And I well, I'll you don't, want to. You don't want to. But what is the point of me coming out and saying, OK, I love the favorite? I'm not worried about building my percentages, my winning percentages and stuff. Like I've never been that type of person. I'm not coming out to give out a horse to say, Oh look, I gave out a winner. That's just, well, this is
3: what, uh, this is what I say all the time is, you know, when I'm talking to somebody who's new to the game and they see past performances and, and someone, you know, me or someone else teaches them how to read the past performances after maybe about uh, two or three races, they can figure out who's going to be the favorite. Yep. It, it doesn't take that much to nope. figure out who's going to be the top right. choice. Yep. Um, so that's where all the nuance comes in and, and being able to dissect things and, and use all the tools that you have available to you to, to pick horses that the public isn't going to gravitate towards. And that's where you're going to make your money, you know, and, and, and. You know, I think sometimes that gets, you know, lost in the shuffle, especially when it comes to the betting aspect of the game. Yep. Um, you know, people don't realize that they're using so many favorites in a, in a pick four or pick five sequence. When and they, then you like, don't
0: even understand how, what's what the payouts could be. Right. Right. And that's, they'll, people will play a ticket sometimes and think that they have a chance to hit for a lot of money. And if you just sort of say, hey, look. <laughs> You didn't use one horse in any race. That's over five to one,
3: right? You're not going to get paid. I mean, it's just as simple as that. The (laughs)
0: most that your pick four could pay is 300 bucks, you know? Right. So don't expect thousands unless you're using it. And I'm not saying to go looking for bombs, but that's what you're trying to do here. You're trying to find races where the favorites are vulnerable. You play against them. I think, Far too many people, um, when they open up the races to handicap, they'll look and say, okay, I want to pick the winner of this race. I do the opposite right away. I'm trying to f- look at the short prices and why we can beat them, right? Why are they not going to yeah, win?
3: Exactly. That's, that's really my whole angle. I know, um, I was really, really helped by playing in tournament situations, like a stable mm-hmm. kind of thing yep. where, you know, you're, you're you know you can't pick every favorite it's you just can't. not it's You're not forced. conducive you could yep. hit three favorites and somebody comes in with a 20 to one shot and blow you out of the water yep easily yep. so and it happens quite often i mean anybody that's played any kind of you know handicapping tournament things like that they know um so you, you kind of gravitate towards that and then i brought that philosophy over to betting through the windows and constructing Pick four, pick five, pick six tickets, and that's where you can deviate from from everybody else. Is is kind of thinking outside of the box, but you know anybody could come in here. Like you know we come in here every every Friday and, and pick off favorites oh, and probably and give out winners.
0: A bunch of and, a bunch but of. But it's winners. not going to be
3: useful for anybody, not for us, not for people not for listening anyone. and watching, and not
0: for learning moving forward, right? Because even if the information, that's one thing, is that like what you were saying when you you teach someone and they within a few minutes, they can, they can look. It's the same thing when you talk to someone, right? You can listen Mm -hmm. to someone and you can tell within a few minutes, if somebody knows what they're talking about. And if they, (laughs) and if they do, like when I'm talking with you, you're going to have a day where you gave me six horses and they go for six. But I know the type of horses that you gave me that you are actually playing the right way. right? Right. I know that your process is correct because every horse that you gave me was a horse that was like five or six to one or above. None of them were short chocks. You were all trying to beat favorites in all of them. So I know in the long run, heck, you catch one or two of those, you're fine. The flip side, I could have a guy who gave me five winners, but every one of them was six to five. And I know <laughs> that that person is going to be in trouble in the long run because once one or two of those horses lose, you need you need like two or three to win to catch up. That, that's the problem when you're right, paying and big money, when you're betting big chocks like that. It's just not worth it.
3: Yeah, and, and it, it all comes down to kind of resolve and your mental uh you know fortitude in in order to you we know to it. right the losses and be like oh man I just missed I'm there's, doing there's, it there's, right. There's I problem. know my trust right. the
0: process. Joel Embiid, the 76ers, you know. Trust <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: trust
3: yeah, me. I mean I, I, that's the hugest mental hurdle to get over uh, as far as is playing the way that I play is being able to just brush off a loss, yeah. I mean, there's some people that just can't do it. No, and it and, or it takes practice, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of you know, not not necessarily a skill, but it's something that's you know, important you, to what you, you do. You
0: learn, you and I think, and I think it's a it's a dance, right? Because I know some people that like they'll have a loss, and it, they don't really care at all about it, but they don't really care that much about their wins either. It's such like a like a system yeah. for them. But see, I like I'm I like getting up a little bit, but I like knowing that like at the end of the day or in an hour or two, I'm I'm done with it. Like I mm-hmm. will I will react for a little bit. I'll get a little bit frustrated, but I don't <laughs> let it like Take over. No, it'll kill you
3: mentally. Like you'll you'll just not make good decisions, and it is just. But I'm not gonna. I think we've all been there.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna act like I don't get all (laughs) frustrated when I'm lost and f this or that or throw. You know, like we have those moments. But I think you got to understand that what you say. You just got to tell yourself, "Hey, I'm in this for the long haul." Right. There's going to be a lot of those, right? I'm a baseball player in the middle of a baseball season. I'm gonna hit the ball hard a lot of times, right at people. I'm going to get home runs that get robbed, right? I'm going to have balls that that was a fair ball and they called it foul. That was fair, man. You screwed <laughs> me. It was a fair ball. The chalk flew, you know, like you're going to have those yeah, you bumping just gotta,
3: the umpire. Yeah. Right,
0: Yeah. You just got to be able to weather it and get through it and know that when your day comes, when, uh, you know, like I said, the house wins, it's not the house and horse racing, but you got to make sure that when it's your day, you pop, kill it. you, you hit it that day. And that takes care of the next few days and the next week as we jump on into race number five at Keeneland on Saturday. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here. Barry Spears, Gino Bocola, big shout out to our buddy, Matt DeSantis. He's normally with us on these Friday morning shows. We're here with you every single Friday, 10 o'clock a.m., Eastern time this weekend in stable duel. We try to give you all the information for stable duel contest. And then we give you our best bets for Friday and for Saturday. And we're always trying to give you some prices. We want to try to help lead you to horses because if you're playing in a stable duel lineup, maybe there's one or two races you had trouble with that might be the race where Barry had a strong opinion and you can use Barry's horse, or maybe you're playing like a pick four or pick five. I've had a lot of people tell me that Barry in recent weeks, that, The horses that we give out a lot of time, they're the perfect horses to throw in Mm -hmm. to your pick fours or pick fives because they are those 8, 10, 12 to one shots that you get one of them and boom, that's all it takes. All of a sudden that thing pays thousands and people – I've gotten some really nice responses from people that said, hey – Barry mentioned a horse that I never would have had, but he mentioned it. I threw it on my ticket. It only cost me five extra bucks. And I hit that thing for 1500. That's what we, that's why we're here. That's what that's, we do. Yeah. That's why we're that, here. I, perfect. I love hearing those stories like that. As we move into race number five, I thought the one was kind of interesting in here. Now it's always scary to take a horse <laughs> that leaves the Chad Brown barn, you know, but uh, early on, This horse did have some good success on the turf. Ran into a horse first time out of the box named In Italian. This was actually a really live race. In Italian, won three consecutive starts, won the grade three Honey Fox. And there were a couple other next out winners in this race. We saw Traffic Song and Lily Simone also come out of that race to win. And I think for infinite potential, we can look at the April 9th race. They took a shot, the race was taken off the turf, it was in the slop. They tried to stay in the field, but didn't run well. Still did show some of that kind of tactical positional speed, which I like. And so since that was the first start since October, at least she's going to get some fitness out of that, right? She'll get something out of the race. The result doesn't bother me at all. They just backed right up. So I think the one should be able to save a lot of ground from the inside at about $5,000 in your stable dual lineup at six to one. I've got infinite potential as a horse who you know, could pick up some pieces and, uh, and save some ground and, uh, and farewell in here. Did you have actually, anything? Uh,
3: the, the horse that actually kind of caught my attention. Funny enough is the six. Here we go. Uh, doesn't okay. look all
0: that. Designer great.
3: Red. Yeah. It doesn't look all that great. But, um, if you look at the, the horses, you know, beginning races back in October, 20, mm-hmm. uh, 2020. Um, and then the second time out, at Gulfstream on January 2nd, 2021, you know, lost to, to Con Lima, who's a pretty decent horse. Oh yeah. Um, and kind of things went amiss from there. I I think the horse kind of was a little bit over, over her head, um, running in the, here comes the bride and then coming back in the risk averse, you know, it just screams like this horse is live. And, I, know. and I, I really couldn't tell you exactly why. No, there's a feel <laughs> you know, though.
0: You should feel like this horse has got a big yeah, in there coming. Yeah,
3: they definitely. I mean, and, and this field isn't all that spectacular in their no. own right. Um and this horse kind of fits with these, you know. It, you know, you just need any reason to not like the three and, and it could go any any way here and and i'm not even you know that enthusiastic about the five although the five is going to take a lot of money
1: mm-hmm.
0: this
3: horse um, is going to get hammered and that's yeah but I, fl- I, flames up some money i mean finished second twice as you know really odds on mm-hmm. once at, at 290 to one and then another time at a dollar 70 and didn't get it done um not you know, for that, me and yeah off, I, off I don't bench, like those kind of horses no <laughs> No. They may win. They do win quite but a bit, just but They're way
0: too short right. when they do. They're way too short and undervalued. So uh yeah, and then well, even we'll... the 9 you, you could be any kind coming in here. Oh, yeah, you. ensemble and if this is the type of horse that takes a little bit of money early on, they're probably live.
3: Right. And like, this horse in, opens in up Pratt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Pratt's just had a, a fantastic start to uh the meet over there at Keeneland. That is race number 5. I've got one in the 7th. You have anything in the 6th? Yes, I do. Okay. Where do you want to head in race number six?
3: Race six, a main special eight hundred thousand dollar uh purse. I like number two, Toffee. Nice. Another twirling candy horse. Yeah. Who is is going turf to dirt. I don't think this horse wanted any part of the turf, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, but that being said, you know, this horse has been working well. Uh the siblings uh, you know, from the dam have a bunch of dirt wins and i i just think they just needed to get this horse out on the track
0: um you know shot all, was they, a winner on the dirt risoli was a winner on the dirt here both of the first two you've got yandering who is a multiple winner i love i always love when horses are just named people's names like this one <laughs> emily. emily just one name yeah like john <laughs> like oh cool. michael there's, there's jim out there running you know
1: so I just, yeah that, that, that definitely uh, a
3: a fan favorite in my house when when a horse just has one name
1: yeah
3: uh but yeah i mean you know barring this brad cox horse on the on the rail which i don't like anyway
0: no um, neither.
3: being kind of a, a world beater which you know it's not impossible but i just don't like that i don't like the inside draw no. for the first time starter and then you got the second time starter going turf to dirt you know obviously didn't want the turf and this horse I, is it's got imp- improvement written
0: all I know. over it. And and cuz I don't like the th- like the 3 and the, the 5 are the next two and I don't like the 5 yeah, how, I how I you? like a little bit more but I don't let love I, any of the 3 short no. price horses. That that much No, they're year. definitely
3: very very vulnerable here. Yeah, I mean I, again, you know the you, you could give the asterisk next to the one and be like well if that horse kind of runs off and just beats this group i get it
1: sure but i'm not going to do it at a short
3: price price. yes
0: seven two you can have that yeah
3: Yeah, i'm I'm conceding that in this race and then toffee you know again you know i do this all the time because these are the type of races where you can get an upset and it 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 seems so logical Mm mm-hmm you know, the two doesn't look impossible here, despite the running line. I mean, you look at the running line, it looks horrible. But you factor in everything else, you know, turf to dirt, route to sprint. You know, the, this horse could be live here. It spawn's and, a little and, bit and, better
0: with horse's second time out, too. Like the numbers might not suggest that they're off the wall, but they're just a little they're they're not great first out. So they're always going to be better second and third time out. I like coffee. Kind of talking myself into this one a little bit yeah soon. you know into this one. is definitely a horse
3: yeah. you gotta use especially you know I like to play doubles pick threes too absolutely so this is definitely a horse I'm gonna use and in actually the the other one that kind of piqued my attention here was the six at a big price but you know it's crazy all these twirling candy babies are I in know, this race they're all
0: popping up yeah this one's the daughter of Princess Mariah who uh was a winner the uh direct pedigree isn't quite as great but sneaky and she seems to have some ability too because she flashed a little bit in the mornings lovely princess yeah the
3: the dam for for toffee uh almost won the the San Anita oaks yeah that was uh, a
0: Azar- zara who or Oakleaf, oak or leaf the oak leaf yeah the um i remember this this Philly. let's take a look at just Azara. missed that was what's cool is that you know with you so first time out of the box winner Third in the Del Mar debutante and then second beating a nose in the Oak Leaf. And then she runs into Indian Blessing in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. <laughs> right. There's wow. no chance there. Yeah. yeah. Good luck there. So um, and also
3: that was synthetic. The yeah. Synthetic yeah. Santa Anita days.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. Right. Yeah, those are fun, funny times to think about. Toffee, 10 to 1 for the sniper, only a thousand in your stable dual lineups. We'll move along to race number seven. I am looking. At the eight in here, market rumor. And I think for market rumor, he just makes a lot. She, this five year old mayor, just makes a lot of sense. So she's only raced, I I mean, her whole career, when you go through everything she's done, she hasn't done a whole lot wrong. She's, she just doesn't win as much as you'd like. She's a three time winner. She's got seven runner up efforts and she's got one third. But, you know, you start to dig into what she's done as of late and, it's all pretty good. Like everything she's done on the grass is really nice. Her last four races have all been on the turf. She won in her first turf start. Then she was second beaten a neck behind the next out winning tuned at colonial in a stakes race. She came back. She was fourth in a race at Keeneland, a non three allowance. And this race came back incredibly live. The second place finisher was sweet Melania who won the Swanee river next out a grade three, the third place finisher breeze rider, came out of that race and was in really good form, went over to fairgrounds and won a stakes, then won a stakes at Turfway, then won a stakes at Sam Houston, and won another stakes at Turfway Park, just got really, really good there. Even Good Fight, who was towards the back, came out of that race, won a 20 starter, and then finished second in a stakes race. So I think market rumor comes out of some, Pretty solid races, some pretty sneaky races. I think the turf form overall is really good. Horse was only beaten a neck last time out, was seventh on the inside, and moved early. Made this three-wide move, was legit second, really tried hard. I think there's some upside for this horse on the grass because they've only run on it four times and a little bit of upside second start off the bench. What's nice with these older mares too, Barry, is sometimes you'll see when they go from three to four and then from four to five, they actually get a little bit better. It's around this time. Once they get to like six and seven, then sometimes they get maybe a little bit beyond, but sometimes (laughs) the mares at like four and five, that's when they really start to peak. I wouldn't be shocked if this, mayor has a little bit more in, in her to take a step forward.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm with you. And I also would like to see this horse on the lead. Yes. Um, because a there's horse not much speed here sometimes. And yeah. You know, the only other horse that, that had some speed back in the, I say back in 2021 is the nine, but I don't yeah. foresee that horse getting the lead here. I, I think market rumor is going to be the controlling speed, which is probably the, the best place for that horse to be.
0: Market rumor the number eight for me at six to one will only cost you five thousand in your stable dual lineup that is right on par with what you need to stay on your average three races more to go on the keeneland Saturday car did you have anything in the seventh you want to move along no the ninth the ninth okay I've got one to mention real quick in the eighth and then we'll get to race number nine so the eighth race is uh, the Ben Alley and they will go a mile and an eighth on the main track here. What I thought was cool about this race, I legitimately think you can make a case for almost anyone. Uh, Mighty Heart could be the lone speed in here, and so you can build a case for that one there. Proxy comes into this race in really nice form. Third start off the long layoff was behind Olympiad last time out. He's ready for an even better effort. You've got Dynamic One who comes in second off the long layoff. He should be ready for a better effort. You've got Warrant who just missed in the big cap and the mile and a quarter was probably just a little bit farther than what he wanted but he ran a bang up race that day he's probably the horse to beat in here third start of his form cycle to tartufo he might be a little bit cheap in this group but he hasn't done a whole lot wrong the horse you mentioned earlier cody's wish who came back and ran well he was second behind him and he just shows up and puts up a good performance. He outran his odds at 24 to one when finishing third in a stakes at Turfway. Scalding is sharp. He's won three in a row. I mean, this whole field is in good form, but when, when that happens, when I think a race is pretty wide open, I'm always going to look for one of the pricier horses. I'm always going to want to look for one of the horses who I think is going to be one of the bigger prices. And that's title ready who. He's got some class now, Mm -hmm. and he's one that you can really go back to and find some good races. He's run a couple of them right here at Heenland, really, really good races. So he got shuffled back in this race at Oaklawn Park, and it was after running in the Pegasus. So look at a a few of his recent races. You know, He's in the Dubai World Cup last year. He's in (laughs) Dubai. He comes back in November off of a long layoff, and he runs actually really well. At Churchill Downs, he finishes third. He's only beaten three-quarters of a length behind South Bed and Sonneman. He had a little bit of trouble. He was kind of trapped for a while. Then he shows back up on December the 19th at Oaklawn, and that race is in the slop, and he just kind of gets outrun. He's behind Lone Rock and Thomas Shelby, which are actually some nice horses. We're going to see Thomas Shelby this weekend in the Oaklawn Handicap, and uh, Lone Rock is very good and very, very sharp. Pegasus World Cup he's behind life is Good and Nick's go just gets completely Outrun that day so they give him A couple months more off he shows back Up in April And he runs pretty well kind of sneaky with Some trouble this Horse has got class he's drawn well Towards the outside he's gonna pick some pieces up And he's gonna pass some tiring horses here My only worry is just I don't know if there's enough speed To set up for him because he kind of Is like grindy type who needs a Little pace and mighty heart could be one that has A pace advantage in here so I'd probably Use mighty heart in late exotics but In stable duel for only three thousand At eight to one I think title ready is a Pretty good proposition in here so I'll Use the eight in race number eight. Eights are wild for me Yes
3: yeah, and- I think it's worth Noting that Johnny V ends up here Right on title ready instead Of mighty heart he, he rode mighty Heart last time
0: yep and which was in December earlier- but still johnny v doesn't ride a whole lot of horses for this barn and we see him on a couple this weekend too so that's something to take note As i i feel like they're live when you have a a rider because johnny v's like you said he's not someone who at this point he doesn't need to ride eight or ten races a day he can pick and choose the four or five really live ones i don't think he'd be getting on this horse unless he felt like this horse had a big opportunity here let's get to the final two on the card for saturday over at keeneland race number nine is actually there's
3: one thing before we, we yeah. move on is sure. uh that horse scalding um i saw all three of or the two races at tampa and one at gulfstream for this horse all the last three wins the horse that finished second in february 11th in that race that he beat tapsational came back to lose twice at short odds in races that that horse was supposed to win
0: yeah here we Um, see it right here
3: and I think that the challenger was early enough in the card that there was still a little bit of moisture in the track and I think this horse likes it wet somewhat likes moisture in the track um so I am really against (laughs) (laughs) Scalding tomorrow and and I was thinking that that horse actually might get bet even below the five to one um, but yeah, I, I just didn't want any part of that horse,
0: especially at that, that price. So that's, it's one of those words that when you say it around girls, they always moisture they moist. They just don't <laughs> like that word. It's one of those words that they get like all like squeering. It's like, ah, I don't like that word. I don't know why I've, <laughs> I've found that a few times too. Just having a conversations as we move from the Ben Ali to the Elkhorn. And uh, we got another graded stakes here. This is a Grade Two going a mile and a half on the turf course, Barry. So, how do you see this long distance race shaping up?
3: Well, you know what? For a long distance race, there's there's quite a bit of speed in here. There
0: is, yep.
3: And that's that's really what I'm 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 kind of hinging my pick on is is taking advantage of the of the pace scenario. Obviously, you have two Emmys who. Yep. Just looked spectacular it, 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 at the fairgrounds last time. Just yeah. ran, ran them right off their feet. It wasn't even pressured, to be honest. And um, the comment in the in the form says "loose lead," which you hardly ever see. Yeah. Uh, Channel maker, another one that that has speed. I mean, going back to 2020, you see all those those races with the ones, everything. Just yep. Just and then even right in
0: between them, Phantom Currency. Yeah. Yep.
3: Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's 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 a lot of speed in here. So I ended up uh, landing on the outside horse, number nine, another mission.
0: Oh, we're on the same one. Yeah. See, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
3: yeah. I, I just think this horse has has really good races to go back to this pace scenario. You just put a line right through the 50. last race, right? Yeah, and I'm not really enthusiastic. Yeah,
0: chasing two Emmys in just a just
3: against the, 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 the race pace shape. scenario. Just yeah, yep. just just totally against the race shape and, and had no chance. Um now you're getting uh, Flavian Pratt yep. uh, with a more you know advantageous pace scenario mm-hmm. and, and I think this guy can get it done.
0: Completely love I love this course in this spot because he just makes sense all his bad races are races where he didn't get the race shape.
3: Right. Like That's if, it. if they're That's going, the only difference. <laughs> yeah.
0: He he runs his race and if they go quick, which it looks like in here they probably should, you you, you trust him. To close, and now you have one of the absolute best jockeys in the world at putting horses in a good spot. Pratt always seems to have horses a little bit closer than they should. And I'm not saying this horse is going to be close, but maybe instead of being dead last, he can just be eighth. Right? Well, you Seven. can
3: see he did that, actually, yeah. when he rode this horse in exactly. August 2021. Ex- he he actually Lincoln. was a little bit closer to the pace and then ended up drawing off. He was probably way better than that field. But, but he still. just
0: wanted to make sure he didn't get into right. trouble, right? Exactly. And that's, that's the kind of heady ride that you're going to get from Pratt. Another mystery makes a lot of sense in here. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. It would only cost you 5000 in your stable dual lineup. I think it's a really good spot for him to get that kind of pace so Barry and I are both on the nine in honor of Matt. We had to jump on the same horse at least once or twice today. Uh just uh, for our buddy Matt. To yeah, we're gonna pour out the
3: Mountain Dew in his yeah. in his absence. We
0: gotta pour pour out the Mountain Dew and the tacos for him, right? Yeah. Oh, no tacos. <laughs> no do tacos. We can't even mention it. We don't those. do don't that. No wanna, do wanna, wanna bring those up. <laughs> yeah, one more to talk about on Saturday. The get out race, the close out race. Uh we gotta uh finish strong. On Saturday, we got a first-level allowance on the dirt, seven furlongs, the distance. I'm going to go to the way outside, and I'm going to go to Legendary Lore, who is 10 to 1 on the morning line. And Legendary Lore comes in from Turfway on the synthetic. But this is another horse where let's start from the bottom, and let's not go from the recent races. Let's go all the way to the bottom to August 20th debut at Ellis Park. So debuts and going five-and-a-half furlongs. He actually got bet that day. And, and had a little bit of trouble. Didn't run all that well. Was behind Britain's Kitten. That was going five and a half. Then stretches out to seven at Churchill. Wins at 36 to one. Which is seven furlongs on the dirt. Which is what this race is on Saturday. After that. Goes a mile at Churchill on October the 31st. Really nice second. Behind Texas Red Hot. Then on November the 27th. Again in the first level allowance. Goes a little bit farther. Goes a mile in a sixteenth. Has some trouble that day. That was a good race where the runner-up Red Run came out of it to win. And the uh, the winner that day was not a bad one either. So Red Run came out of that race. We saw Red Run who won the uh, won a stakes race over at Sam Houston. And the winner of the race that day, Trademark, is a horse who we've seen in the Sam F. Davis and then was fifth in the Tampa Bay Derby and in the Bluegrass and back-to-back starts. So not a bad horse actually. Split those those fields. And following that race, they go to the synthetic. And the one thing I've noticed, too, is with synthetic horses and tracks, the buyers and the times and stuff, they're always going to be slower. So the buyers are going to be lower. So you see horses that come from synthetic tracks a lot of the times. And if their numbers and figures are a little lower in comparison... Don't worry about it. If yeah, you know, they get
3: ignored a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, because if you know that from a class standpoint, they fit. Like, I can stack up where Legendary Lore has run against good horses and has performed. Like, look at what he did at Turfway on January the 7th. He was third that day, and the winner was Tawnyport. And then Tawnyport was second in the Jeff Ruby stakes and won the Lexington. So if I know this horse can only can be a length off of Tawnyport, from a class standpoint... I'm not as concerned that maybe his buyer speed figures are a little bit lower than some of the others. Some of the recent ones he's third behind Tawny port. He's third again, um, in his next start behind win for the money who comes out of that race to win. And then they take a shot in the Bataglia and he had some legitimate trouble that day. He ran into tis the bomb. Tis the bomb came out of that race to come back and win the Jeff Ruby and Tis the bomb is going to be running in the Derby. He's a really nice three-year-old. I just don't know if he's a dirt Derby horse, but this is a nice horse. Tis the bomb. Mm -hmm. And I, it it just all seems to make sense. Why legendary lore would now come back to Keeneland. Uh, He's going to come back to the dirt. The blinkers come off. He's a first time gelding. Now he's got races here that are good enough to compete. Legendary lore. He is ten to one. He's only going to cost us a thousand in our stable dual lineup. A nice way to end the card on Saturday with those blinks coming off, and you get the ultimate equipment change right there at first time <laughs> gelding.
4: <laughs>
0: oh, awesome stuff, my man! Well, uh we missed our buddy Matt today. We know that uh Matt will be back with us in just a few weeks, but two weeks from today, Barry, it's going to be Kentucky Oaks Day. Oh boy, that
3: yeah, it's sneaking it's up. Coming. Take it's a few coming. days.
0: Over the weekend and early next week, relax, a little calm before the storm, because starting next weekend, by the end of the weekend, you know, early on, I think Monday, those entries will be out for later in the week, and we will be diving on in, it'll be Oaks overload, it'll be Derby overload, I think uh, (laughs) I said yesterday, uh, oaks oratory and some derby discussion there so we'll be talking oh look I, see, at that. I see what I, you did I, there i was trying to get creative with the oaks i was looking through o words i was like oaks oratory okay here we-. <laughs> i was like patting myself <laughs> on the back after that was look good one like you're good Scrabble you know? word you're good yeah like, like what we did there don't forget You've got uh stable duel games that start at Keeneland in just a little bit. You can head to stableduel.com and you can check out the contest there, or just go to the stable Duel app. You download it for free and you can check out every day. What games that you can play Barry and I will be back next week with you. We'll take you through Friday and Saturday stuff and get you all set up for next weekend's contest. My good friend, it is always a pleasure. One of my favorite times of the week is sitting here talking races with you and Matt. So I hope you have a fantastic Rest of your day. Have a good weekend with the family. And most importantly, let's make some money.
3: Yeah. Right? Uh, that's the above let's all. Hit some winners. Let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Let's make some money. Good luck to everyone out there. Set your alarms for every week. Come hang out with us at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. In the coming weeks, we're going to start to get even more interactive. We're going to start to bring in comments from some of you. We're going to be giving away free entries and free wagers. So uh, come hang out with us. And you're going to be making some money very soon. Joey Cleveland, my good friend, take it away.
1: Better. You won't withstand your pony on a day True. But
0: no, no, no. Hope we're able to lead some of uh, you in the right direction there for Saturday over at Keeneland. Let's talk about Cindy Carava, full service realtor, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Now, she can help you out in many different ways like buying, selling, leasing. Maybe you're looking for home improvement. She'll connect you with the right type of vendors, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with and has experience with in her own homes. Cindy can connect you with a a lender if you need help, you know, getting approved for a home loan. Maybe you're just curious how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. She's, all over San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. You can find her on the website, cindycarava.com C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Reviews on Yelp and Zillow. And if you need help, even if you're not in one of those areas, reach out to Cindy. She'll find someone that she knows, that she trusts, that's in that area, and they will help you out. They're going to make your life so much easier. Cindy is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Cindycarava.com. We got it a little early for you this week. We got episode four of Moon Knight, our deep dive with Tim Kelly, our scene-by-scene scene recap and review, four episodes down of a six-episode series, so we don't don't have a whole lot left. Absolutely love what they've been doing with this series so far. It's fantastic. Tim has been enjoying it too, so major spoiler alert. We dive into Moon Knight, scene-by-scene, scene, deep dive, recap, and review with Tim Kelly. We've got moon night a little early for you this week tk tim kelly is out on the east coast so he helping me out even when he's on uh, vacation and uh, out with the family tk i have one question for you after uh, finishing up episode four of moon night what yeah. the hell is going on <laughs> what is real <laughs> I, what a crazy fascinating ending to this uh, this episode yeah. of of TV that we just watched, I mean, there were so many different movies, TV shows that were uh, kind of, I think, teased and that were obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, this this fi- final last few minutes was inspired by Twelve Monkeys was a uh, one that a lot of people thought, mm-hmm. and even Shades of Wandavision, really, really cool yeah. stuff at the this episode.
4: Yeah, this was my favorite episode yet. Uh, they they seem to be very good. Uh, with these episode fours, the MCU and, and and their TV shows, episode four seemed to be like kind of a, a sweet number for them. Uh, but uh, this episode, the rug pull, the uh, the big reveal at the end uh, had me asking that same question. What is real? What's going on? I, I'm not quite sure. I have some ideas, but uh, this show really keeps you guessing.
0: And that's that's what we love. Uh, we really don't know if what we're watching and what we've seen for the first three and a half episodes is actually taking place in reality or if this is something that has been manifested in mark slash steven's brain and when we see the way that the mental hospital at the end is sort of set up with all these different characters that we've been introduced to in the first few episodes All these different people that have interacted With Mark or with Stephen It is just an, a, a Really cool Way of uh, of Presenting a story it, When when us mm-hmm. as the viewers have to Watch and, and wonder Is this really happening Or is it not and then they left This with such a cliffhanger For a week to just to really sit and Stew and to wonder about All of it so I think They've they've got me hook, line, and sinker here so far. And I I, yeah. I feel like if people may have been sort of taking a little slower approach, this has got to be the point where they got hooked with this sort of cliffhanger at the end. Like, what the hell is going on?
4: Yeah. And uh it was really well done too. I mean, bell to bell. I, I really enjoyed myself this episode. Uh just the, the action, the romance, the adventure. Uh, the the backstory, the mystery that the characters uncovered, you know, Alexander the Great ties into this story now. Uh it, it felt like, you know, the mummy, National Indiana Treasure. Jones great. slash the Indiana mummy. Indiana Jones, absolutely.
0: Yep. Yeah. You just get all of those vibes. The the tomb buster movie mm-hmm. slash TV show, yeah. which was Wanda. Wanda when, connection right there. When you just show up in that, that scene for a minute. After it looks like uh, Stephen has been killed, and and Mark slash Stephen has been killed, and it's like where the hell are we? And then you you get pulled back from the TV, and then that's exactly like, oh, it it looks like what when uh, when they're watching Wanda in West in Westview, you know, right outside of it, it's uh, really fascinating. And then how it dives into ancient Egypt, I love Mm. when the MCU will play into real life events this is something that we've seen many times throughout uh, different characters they play into that this this particular person may have had powers and may have been some yeah. sort of uh, major political figure throughout history major player in starting wars and ending wars and we saw it with the eternals and how the uh, the impact that they had throughout history Hell we saw kind of it.
4: Backfired in that example, actually. Exactly that was probably the the the, the 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 atomic bomb there was one that uh people uh they raked uh Marvel over the coals for that because it was just so tone-deaf. But they've done this all the way back till uh Captain America the First Avenger, if you think about it, you know, weaving World War II history and the Nazis as as kind of being the the bad guys, or you know, Hydra's as as sort of like super Nazis in mm-hmm. this
0: world. Yep, uh, even Loki, right, with like the DB Cooper. Stuff right you know they would they would just uh make reference to these different characters that We know having a major role in history i love when they do things like that with the alexander the Great long lost tomb which has never been found and a lot of the stuff they were talking about was True this is a guy who loved Egypt he wanted to be buried mm. in Egypt He was fascinated with ancient uh, Egyptian um, Mythology and ancient Egyptian religions and He sort of saw himself as A god so a lot of the things that he Said and did would have made sense If he was an avatar like They're sort yeah. of playing out he him Maybe being the final avatar of Ahmet that I mean, Wizard of Oz Stuff too right mm. When you wake up and it's like You were yeah. there oh you were there right. you were there you know and gosh i haven't watched that in a while i think i'm gonna watch that movie with stephanie this week and it's always such a great one to go back and, uh, and take a look at you know when you ha- when you haven't in a while and we are introduced to i mean like if things weren't crazy enough we, <laughs> i we, know where
1: you're going we move yeah.
0: from the you know we're inside this tomb we're running around it's dark there's these like Undead priests the Zombies and then Stephen Gets shot he falls Into this mental hospital we're looking Around we don't even know what's going on And then we end with this Hippopotamus who yeah. just Stands there and goes hi And it's yeah. It's tolerant it's like where the Hell are we going here but I love It
4: it has everything it really Does I mean it ends on this incredibly Surreal moment and uh, we mentioned before, you know, the adventure, romance, all these different things that this episode did so well. Uh, you touched on it there a moment ago. Horror. There was this zombie uh, character in in the middle that was really freaky, and some really great scenes there uh, with them being hunted by this uh, tomb zombie. I have no idea what the word is uh, or the name is for this guy, but uh, they were wow, like he really hecka, made an impression.
0: I think they were referred to as like the hecka us. We'll, we'll get okay. there. Yeah. They, they were hella scary yeah, they, they were hella scary for sure they were and, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were like these undead ghouls that were like priests that we we were ext- they were extracting organs from some of Harrow's followers that were that were trying to get in there. They're basically like guarding um, from anyone that, that tries to come in. so cool stuff all over. We went back and forth. And and we'll spend a lot of time when we get to the uh, the mental hospital Because there are so many weird things going on there But we're going to ask this question a lot throughout this episode What is real? Can we trust mm-hmm. what we are seeing? We have a lot to digest So we'll just jump right in to our deep dive And we'll hit on everything as we get into episode 4 We begin with the previously on And then we, we opened up Tim with this upside down shot We've seen this before hmm. Was it in uh, I think Black Panther One of them where we had a complete Upside down shot And it spins around To see Osiris Taking the little figurine Of of Khonshu now that Khonshu has been, been Placed into these are called Ushabti, and the, We see these figurines all throughout The tombs where certain gods Have been banished and have been been placed for eternity and so it's just a, this moment of, of Osiris taking the figure of Khonshu And placing it among the others and we get the Marvel MCU intro and the music
4: here is fire mu- too There's yeah it feels cinematic and uh, just uh, the production on, on this music is, is incredible um Uh, I also love that you pointed out the upside down thing here, because that's a motif they play with a lot throughout this episode. And later on, uh, they do it again. But uh, I I think that that is significant in that um, it's the underworld we're dealing with the underworld and where the where the gods are Mm -hmm. uh, relative to to, you know, whatever this world is. uh, You know what the uh, you know, we call Earth Midgard in Norse mythology. I don't know what they call it here, Uh, but uh, I love the way that they. Express that visually the camera Work the cinematography in this episode is, is Top notch
0: so we pick up Right where we left off in episode three they're in the Desert and Layla is trying to get Steven Awake they're being shot at She's able to Hide and avoid capture Or murder And we find out that she's pretty handy With the flare TK She busts out these flares yeah. a lot Throughout the episode and It's like she must have gone To flare training school Jeez I mean <laughs> yeah, she right. just knows She busts these out she knows how to Pop them she knows when the flames come coming. She knows how to use them to jolt someone In the eye she doesn't ever burn herself with It and yeah. it's pretty impressive What she does here she uses these To sort of uh, uh, Distract some of the people And then when they come back over she actually Uses them as a weapon And I thought it was pretty funny because You know Steven She's trying to get him to wake up and, and He he won't. And so she's like, oh, I got to go do this by myself. So she goes over. She takes care yeah. of business. Like while she's handling this and <clears throat> we're finding out how just ingenious she is in every situation. She's so capable in any situation she's yeah, been she's, in, it, you know,
4: she's MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, she's, she is. She's almost too capable to where it's uh, you. You wonder as an audience member, um, especially once the reveal happens later in the episode was she's all gifted this or part something. of a dream. Is this is this like a TV show? You know, is this is this imagination stuff here? Like, it's it's a little far too perfect.
0: Yeah, it's almost too perfect for her. You know,
4: it it It, it walks that line really well though, because it's it's it. To me, I didn't really have that thought at the beginning until after. Yeah, the more I think about it,
0: it's one of those things where once once we see what we see at the end, it makes us go back and think so much. And Mm -hmm. and they 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 did set it up so well that you go, yeah, you're right. It could be. A little too much for things to just all work out perfectly for her. And I love how Steven has sort of come to and he's just standing there watching her. I'm like, damn, yeah, she's good. <laughs> and because the Steven version is such a klutz and he's such, yeah. he's such, he trips over his own, you know, he's got two left feet. He can barely walk straight, but he's really smart. And that's the difference between him and Mark. Mark is the one that's more like Layla. They've been through. They've been in situations like this together Mark is much more capable and able To you know fight his way out of situations. Steven might be able to talk his Way out or kind of think his way out And yeah. um, so He's kind of smiling nodding at her And and she's like what And uh, She takes a car and so they're uh, They're in the car headed back to Try to find Harrow and uh, The tomb in Layla looks over and says Uh Hey, and uh, you know, uh, we're we're gonna need Mark, right? And and Mark's kind of talking to Stephen. Look, she gets it. You know, he shows up in the rearview mirror, and he's telling Stephen. And Stephen says, "No, and listen, the thing is, we made a deal. Mark and I made a deal that when he was done with Konshu, he would disappear with he would disappear for good. Uh, that didn't and." You know, so mark and and Stephen are kind of talking a little bit. Steven's trying to tell Layla. Mark keeps interrupting him. He said that didn't involve getting you getting Layla and us killed. did it That's not gonna fly with me. Layla's kind of upset, like, hey, you guys made a deal without talking to me. <laughs> you know you didn't ask yeah. me if I wanted Mark around. you didn't ask me if I thought I should have a place in this, and I think that's been Layla's issue the entire time. It's one of those things where sometimes as as men or uh, You know as partners Fathers whatever we think Oh we're doing what's best for the family We're doing what's best for us you know you kind of Have an ego you want to protect everyone but In right. in trying to protect her You know they're really keeping Her in the dark here and I'm sure she would have just preferred to, to have them be honest with her
4: Absolutely and she's proven herself So capable we've seen that You know in, in the moments that uh, We've seen with her so far uh, that she can hold her own so uh, maybe there's not that there's there's not really a good reason for him to to be that that mm-hmm. protective of her he's just, he's just worried about what's going to happen especially with the, the Kanshu thing that's that's the real x-factor here that that, that wants her as the next avatar the real protection thing I mean there's everything else uh, the 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 adventure and the, and the danger and all all that she's she, she's proven herself capable there but Kanshu is an x-factor
0: she uh, she said, yeah, so, I mean, shouldn't I have been consulted if Mark was going to be disappearing from my life? And Steven said, well, hasn't he already disappeared from your life? <laughs> she goes, oh, uh, yeah I mean, uh, she tries to kind of change the subject. I mean, his suit was his best feature, wasn't it? Doesn't even have that anymore. Sure. <laughs> to now, nag him. I know, Mark's all pissed. <laughs> Stephen give me the body right now. This is a suicide mission. Layla chimes back in She says I know him he'd want a lone wolf this whole thing And it's not happening we're not going to do that She likes the fact that Steven wants to be A team And he's all excited it's it You and me it's the open road So she stops the car And uh, they're going to go on foot From this particular place They get out to walk They go through this little narrow opening um, Little mountain range in the desert here And they walk by they see a goat which yeah. I've read a couple of places is possibly a symbol of a different god, maybe, or perhaps a, a, mm. a you an know, uh, avatar of a different god, even. And mm. they try to get to Hero's camp. They get over there, and it looks deserted. There are a couple of camels left. <laughs> this is like a funny moment where Steven just talks to the camel. Hello. <laughs> His voice is like when he does the little words like that are pretty funny. Like he'll just hold on yeah. to, hello. and It's just like a, good stuff. Layla and, and Steven look around the camp to try to see if they can find any supplies. And Mark tries again to plead with Steven. He says, Hey, you look like you're scared. Well, you should be. Because without you remember, there's no more suit, there's no more healing, there's no more power. And Steven, he, he's like disgusted with Mark. He thinks Mark is evil and a murderer and just wants to be done with, with this side of him. He says, You know, look. You said there was going to be no more you, but I believed you. Believing anything that comes out of your mouth just shows what a plonker I am. Mark continues on. Look, I wish I could disappear. Unfortunately, I'm still here. And if you're going to go through with this, you got to be smart for Layla's sake. I've been in situations like this before. And Stephen goes, "Well, so have I. It's the same body, isn't there? It's muscle memory or something (laughs) like something like that." And Mark's like, "Yeah, I don't think it works that way. Yeah, I just it's not gonna." (laughs) That's not the way it's going to work Steven tries to just shrug him off It's just The one thing we, we do get here Is that Steven Doesn't realize I, I mean he does Because he's seen it but I just don't think he realizes That he's not capable in this situation That Mark is the much more capable person As the mercenary But Stephen is much more capable As far as his knowledge Of you know Egyptian History right. And some of the things so it's this weird dance That they have to you know they have To go through because half of the Things that they're going to encounter Steven might be the right Person and the other half Mark might be the right person so um, That that is what makes it kind of Fascinating when they're you know back and Forth trying to go in because each one of them Really has a point on who might be More uh, who might be more Equipped for this journey
4: so true And I have I suspect that um, Mark might be wrong when he says it doesn't work like that. I think Stephen might be right that muscle memory does kind of apply. I think, that things bleed in, uh, you know, between characters. I uh, we've seen it I think already. We've seen it. Yeah, with in, the, with in the, little ways, the poetry and um, stuff, right? That's the the exact example I was thinking of. That mm-hmm. the fact that he brought that poetry from one yeah. character to another. Uh, he'll bring things over. So obviously, there's some connections, and it's it's the same body, right? We we are reminded of that uh, very shortly with, with with a very tender romantic moment that I thought worked really well between uh, Stephen and Layla.
0: So as Mark continues to warn Stephen about what's going to happen. Stephen is pretty confident. Hey, look, I'm not alone. I've got Layla. She's got my back. Mark goes, whoa, whoa, are you in love? Are you in love with my wife? Stephen Stephen's <laughs> like, hey, I, I appreciate your concern, but we've got it from here. And uh, he's. I swear, Steven, I swear to you, if you do, you know one of your buddies like you. Uh, that my girlfriend. You're gonna, you're gonna dance with my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend. Oh, you. I swear. Don't you do it. Don't you. You son of a. Don't you. You know. That's what he's going, right here. Is it's such uh, a funny
4: dynamic. You know, it they're is the same guy, but they're yeah, mad. I know. You know, like, I love the way it plays out.
0: It is. It's great. Like it's, <laughs> it's very. You, we you haven't seen much of this, right? I mean, you've seen the the person that. The, like we said the me myself and Irene type stuff Yeah that's and, the one You know it's it's like that <laughs> But then, and then that's the one I keep thinking of But it's uh, really well done here he, he says I'll throw us off a cliff <laughs> And that just made me laugh Steven yeah. Looks over at Layla And now there's this real Like romantic Goofy Like two kids that are in high school Kind of chemistry mm-hmm. between the two of them And it's so awkward because this is a different version of her husband, but it's yeah. the same guy. Like he looks like the same guy. He even smells like the same guy, yeah. but he doesn't talk or act at all like the same guy. So this has got to be so weird on Layla's end for Steven. He's obviously, Layla's incredible. I mean, she's good looking, yeah. and any, like most people would. Be smitten with her but Steven's Obviously more infatuated with her Just based on what we were saying like there's More there Mm -hmm. he can feel something For her beyond The physical stuff And some of the reasons why he's attracted to her So he's just got this pull Towards her and He uh, he, As they get ready to go down into The tomb he looks and says I have To say I feel like I've been waiting for this my whole Life and she Kind of looks at him and he goes, the adventure, I mean
1: mm-hmm. and
0: She smiles She says, I know, we want what we never had And as they a double
4: are, right there Right? Yeah We want
0: We, we want. Never
4: had. Yeah
0: And as they get ready to go down She kind of leans in and they're right next to each other And she, she kind of She smells Stephen's scent And she leans in She goes, you, you smell like him I mean why wouldn't you right and as she leans in to kiss him Steven stops her this is like one of those moments where he's such yeah. a good dude he doesn't want to even kiss her without having been completely honest with her about everything you know mm-hmm. he doesn't even want there to be one bit of dishonesty between them so he's, he goes marks trying to protect you from conju. it's like <laughs> what come on man i'm all, this always the point of the movie or a show where i'm like dude really you couldn't wait till just 2 seconds more and i guess yeah, that's right that shows the exact difference between Mark and Steven because Mm -hmm. Mark went to go tell her the reason why they met initially was because we are finding out that Mark went to go talk to her about her father and what happened. And he fell for her. He couldn't even tell her he, he became so infatuated with her or whatever his, uh, you know, he wanted to have sex with her so bad. You know, whatever way you want to look at it, but <laughs> you but can it's say same, he fell in love, right? Yeah, we can <laughs> yeah. say it that way. <laughs> but then at the same point, Mark was a little bit weaker in the moment than Stephen was, right? Stephen was strong enough to tell her, "Hey, look, yeah. Mark is your guy, and he actually was trying to do what's best for you." You know, he wasn't being a dick. He wasn't doing anything like that. He just wanted you to genuinely be safe. She's like what why are you telling me that right now What and I think That was something that when he told her It did kind of change her tune a little bit Yeah You can see that she Kind of starts to kiss him they stop And he said that's why He's been pushing you away he thinks Khonshu Wants you for his avatar and he won't let that Happen I'm sorry I just Felt like you should know
4: That was such a huge moment there And, and she acknowledges as much later uh, mm-hmm. But it's like that thing in in TV shows. It happens all the time when there's like a contrived um, misunderstanding or something, and you're just like, why doesn't this character just tell the other character what happened? Like, take one moment to explain things, give some context, and resolve things a little bit. But they don't do that because it, you know, carries on the conflict for the sake of the the, the drama and the, and the TV show. This is the moment that completely, like flips everything on its head, Mm -hmm. gives her that context herself to, to understand why Mark's been doing everything. It's a, it's an explanation. You know, he didn't just leave her high and dry. He's protecting her from something, like beyond their control. Like there, this isn't just, you know, dealing with goons, henchmen, like I was saying before, this is a God that wants to, you know, meddle in their lives. So it makes sense that he wants to protect her from that. And, he, and she's understanding that now it's going to completely change their dynamic. And we see it immediately with, she kisses Steven in this moment. Yeah. Um And it's great that, that these characters, they balance each other out. Steven is able to say the thing that Mark isn't Can't. able to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then, just like you were saying, like the, the, the sides of themselves uh, are able to do things that the other side aren't. And uh, ultimately, that's going to create a balance. And I think Mark's, Mark and Steven's journey on this whole thing is about finding that balance and, and becoming kind of a whole uh, instead of being um, broken, as they kind of alluded to earlier in the series.
0: Layla said, you know, it wasn't Mark's call to make. I don't need protection. I need honesty. And uh, Steven says, yeah, I, I get that. She even kind of smiles and says, that's more of a you thing, isn't it?
1: Yes.
0: And he goes, what, being honesty? And he just is so awkward. <laughs> he, he like <laughs> It's like how you are around a girl that you like. You can't even yeah. say the right versions of the words. You know, right. he's like <laughs> spitting them out and she just yeah. kind of smiles. She says, yeah, being honesty. <laughs> and and um, Stephen goes in to kiss her, and it is so awkward. Oh my god, it's mm. such an awkward-looking kiss, and you could tell that like she does not seem as into it as she was a couple seconds earlier when she was the one kind of making the move. But yeah, she, my wife
4: said my, in that moment, my my wife was like, because it's not Mark. She wants yeah. Mark, like it, it's not the same. Yeah, uh, and uh, she was a great like moment. when
0: she initiates it. It can still sort of be like mark But the moment that it's the different Person initiating it and she can sense that Kiss you know you're you're right the moment The lips really touch and she knows oh that's Not his kiss then it just Feels like it's a different awkward Guy it's like who is this dude you know So she uh, I also thought it was funny on one Of the recaps i was watching that was You know going through when She says right after this i'm Gonna go down first and and he goes like, oh, okay, yeah, great, you know, like. <laughs> and she starts to, and it's like, no, buddy, she's not going down there, you know. She's, go- <laughs> she's going down in the tomb, and, uh, and so she ends up uh, going down. And when she heads down, Stephen, this is the real me, myself, and Irene, yeah. the, like liar, liar. Or, well, was it yeah. the bathroom beating of the cable guy? You know where. Mark just punches Stephen right in the face So what we see is It just looks like Stephen A man punching himself in the face And and, uh,
1: He's like oh shit
0: And then As you know we kind of are led to believe That Mark gives Stephen a push As he's kind of like Walking down the tomb Stephen completely falls over And uh but they're both in So he makes his awkward entrance As Layla and Stephen have uh, Made their way down into the tomb Here and they look around And man like everywhere they walk This is like a museum Artifacts Hieroglyphs statues All over incredible Ornate uh, Tributes to different gods And Stephen is just Marveling And he's like wow Like if they just Sprang to life right now and asked me a riddle for a passage. I'd be thrilled. I'd shit myself, but I'd be thrilled.
4: (laughs) There's a nice little moment there too, where uh, what does he say? He's like, "Oh wow, look at you." (laughs) And uh, Layla thinks he's talking about her for a moment, but he looks right past her at at some artifact.
0: Yeah, at the statue. Yeah, it was just really, really well done and and funny because we know there's this awkward chemistry between the two of them and Mark's infatuated with or Stevens infatuated with Layla but he's also infatuated this is this is the dream for him you know he's getting a chance to he this is this guy wanted to be a tour guide at a museum you know so yes. getting to be in the belly of the beast seeing all of these things firsthand it's <clears throat> it's like he's like pinch me you know like he said he's, a, he's he doesn't even feel like he's a, he's awake right mm-hmm. here I thought it was cool that Stephen walks by and in the dirt, you could see a couple initials of letters and you you could tell that somebody just quickly like wrote them in. And so it it would probably be a little bit unsettling if you walked through someplace that you thought was there was nobody else in there. And then you see some letters. So Stephen even asked, hey, did you do that? And Layla says, yeah, it's for my father. So she like traced her father's initials. In the ground kind of like a tribute You know like maybe someone would go And and take the picture of their Father with them when, when they traveled to A place that their father always wanted to go Or sprinkle a little bit of their Parents ashes somewhere that they loved It was kind of I kind of got that feel here Where it's like yeah. hey my dad would have Been overjoyed To be in a place her dad would have been like Steven is you know to be in this place like excited like that and she wanted to in a weird way and just like in her own way have her dad be able to be in there with him i thought that was a cool little gesture
4: absolutely and i i wonder if there's something more to that as well it feels like more to her backstory maybe something supernatural to do with that uh i wouldn't be surprised if that's planting seeds. she feels like she
0: might be a little bit more than
4: normal right yeah there's some heritage there maybe the, some, the some, way some supernatural that connection
0: we we talked about it how you were saying is maybe this real that she was created and fabricated and all of this and and if it is i think she's it's because the the way that she's able to sort of get out of every situation or make the best out of it maybe she's got some sort of power godlike something in her ancestry right. with her dad and um, something about her name even is <clears throat> is Like an instrument of god Um, I I think the way that it was uh, It was Mm -hmm. translated with her name So they may even be kind of giving us some clues With her name As she said yeah you know My father would have loved to be here He was an archaeologist on a mission And to him it was a dream worth dying for And he did And uh, Stephen says I'm sorry And she says it's fine I bet that he'd be positively beaming Or Stephen says to her actually I bet that he'd be positively beaming right now seeing you standing in the proof of it. And she kind of smiles and she says, yeah, I think so. And she looks around and uh, says, yeah, you know, it's not, not such a bad way to go, is it? And Stephen, he's so like, he'll say something, he's like, yeah, let yeah, let's find out. But then he'll say a line that is like the awkward line after, it's a nice way to die. Yeah. You know, it's just- <laughs> It's like normally just say yeah let's find out you just follow in but he's got to say the like Good way to die line which just kind of makes you chuckle a little bit that is one of those Things you say that sometimes there's the serious moment and marvel will go for the laugh but it 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 feels pretty it feels pretty authentic with the steven character you know it doesn't feel out Of out of place with him he is just sort of like awkward goofy guy who's just trying to you know make the best of the situation What's going on here you know he's just Got to talk to himself through everything and so
4: They yeah, it's rooted in the Character and the truth of the moment so like that comedy feel just works.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah Doesn't
4: feel forced doesn't feel like it takes you out of it
0: No when they've set you up and They've they've they have to do a good Job of setting it up right so we know these characters yeah. Are more or are, are comic and they, they Have that kind of uh, sense to them As Layla and Steven find out that It's a maze she says it's it's a maze and he says it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, i i've I watched that back like three or four times i was like no this is that is something i would have said when i was like 15 you know to the girl and i would have like given her the elbow like hey, eh, eh, hey, eh. they would have been like gino no you did not just say that right now you know but <laughs> it was just good stuff here from steven she goes no i do enjoy that at this point like early on when they get down in the tomb we don't she doesn't really know too because like you said steven's so infatuated with what's going on but he's also infatuated with her so like there'll be these moments where he's staring at something but then there'll be another moment where he's kind of staring at her like he looks like he wants to kiss her and she's like yeah you know like paying attention to she's like dude we're in this tomb we've got to figure this stuff out you know and he He's just like a little kid in here It's funny it's, He's literally looks like he's at Disneyland Like he doesn't know which way to go Or like just so uh, So excited by everything So yeah. she They're trying to figure out this maze Now there are six paths Okay right six points What would they be shooting at Okay the whole structure is a symbol Now Stephen is able to See what it is and he traces it in the dirt It's the eye of Horace So They kind of give us a little exposition here so the royal symbol the protection in the afterlife uh re- it, so basically somebody made it even more difficult for them to find what they what they're looking to find right they they're trying to find Amit, and they're trying to find this ushabti of Amit and mm-hmm. it's even going to be even harder for them to find now they're going to have to go through this maze they're going to have to you know uh they're going to have to f- go all through this building and mm-hmm. they're thinking that and they the final- essentially have
4: to solve a riddle
0: like exactly. it's it's
4: a, it's it's a like puzzle a riddle side uh, of a
0: puzzle yep exactly mm-hmm. it's uh you know the one movie that we haven't mentioned A bunch but obviously is a national treasure Which I like mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, it's a Very entertaining movie it's corny and stuff But you get so much of you know the national treasure Type stuff where it's like okay they find this and then Okay now they got to unlock this next part Okay now they got to unlock this next part What's the next clue here mm-hmm. on this scavenger Hunt that they continue on So they're Thinking at this point that Amit's Final avatar was a pharaoh and And they're oh okay that makes a lot of Sense and So they're looking at this now like it's a map Stephen explains The eye of Horus is also the eye of mind Representing the six senses Six points So you got the eyebrow, denotes thoughts Pupil, sight The point here is hearing Smell, touch And the long line ending in a spiral Is the tongue The avatar would be the voice So they've gotten a clue now They're kind of, you know, they're figuring this puzzle out Okay, the voice, that makes sense So they continue along and they see some hieroglyphs and some paintings, a bunch of symbols on the wall. And Layla is able to make out that these were done by Heka priests. Just judging by their masks and ceremonial stance, they would have been entombed in here to protect the Pharaoh. And Stephen goes, what the heck's a Heka? He's just it's like <laughs> the core it's like he's just dropping dad jokes here. You know <laughs> right, like, left and right. Like all throughout, you know. She's so serious. She's in this moment. She's trying to find this thing that like her whole life has been about. Her dad and her whole family have been all about this. And Steven's like flirting, you know, like corny <laughs> flirting and she's like Just okay bro like with puns we kissed right. earlier like there might be some more for us later but like now let's let's like let's take care of this here you know and <laughs> so um, she um she continues to to inform steven a little more they were sorcerers of their time they've been down here for centuries these must be some of the unlucky souls who crossed their path so steven notices like an operating table and there's fresh blood on it so there's This blood shouldn't be fresh, TK. There's something. There's someone around. They notice. Oh my God! Is that fresh blood? Is that little chunks of meaty bits? And it's like, oh, (laughs) God. So Layla, I know. Just with just saying the meaty bits, right? (laughs) Like saying it. It's like, oh gosh. Uh, Layla is like, hey, we better keep moving. And as they start to to walk out steven stops and goes wait 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 um so like there's lots of bones and blood going that way so maybe yeah. there's another way we could go <laughs> you know like maybe we don't follow the blood and the meaty bits you know this way so they look around and there's a little opening kind of in the top area of this room so he goes hey look you know there's an opening up there and she goes yeah you know we should check it out you go he's like me what Okay, you know I gotta be I gotta be the tough guy. So he 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 goes up there to uh to look around and to investigate. He walks up and he sees all these you know ancient hieroglyphs all over the walls, and he kind of starts to read. I think from one, he says, according to some of the ancient text, Amit should be bound to an Ushapti a statue thingy, and he says, wow, it looks like he freshly filled. Canopic jar, snakeskins Self-regeneration He's seeing all of these different things For mummification And embalmment And and, uh, reincarnation And and then all of a sudden We hear as he's kind of looking around Now he's up on the top of this room Sort of in like what would be Like an attic-ish area Kind of looks like he climbed up to this little area And there's some storage up here Trying to find a way out And Layla's below him and they hear a loud noise, like a gunshot. She goes, "Uh oh, it's Harrow It's you know, what are they shooting at? And they they you know they're they're getting ready to try to move out of there because they can hear noises. And then all of a sudden, we hear someone walk into this room. And so Stephen hides. Layla bends down and crouches down behind this operating table. And it's one of these heca priests, this ghoul. It's an undead priest, and he is just killed. One of hero's followers So he brings this corpse in He like plops this thing on the table Is and the guy
4: still alive? I feel like he's moaning here I her, think making he's noises. still
0: alive making noises You can kind of hear that. That is what is so creepy mm. About this whole point Is the Brutal. things you hear
4: Yes, the because, clicking
0: sounds That this heck of
4: priest is making
0: the, the, the priest doesn't have a tongue So he clicks Right cuz he has his tongue has been removed so it's only the sound that he can make with his mouth and you hear like the noises of him like ripping out the insides and like you said <laughs> it sounds like the guy is still alive cuz you hear like oh like little like moans and like you almost hear like the blood flowing and stuff like you can hear the little like the the body and him just kind of like <clears throat> like Car, like Ripping through a body like an animal Would it was Attention to detail that I thought was excellent Really really because what is, what is Great about this entire episode And I know some people don't Love things like this but I, I do I love When we're in a dark place
1: And yeah. you can't
0: really see everything Because it just feels real Like this felt like you're in Indiana Jones in the, I don't want to see the whole thing lit up that's not how it Wait. would be, right? I'm It'd like, "Oh, they're less scary. Around this bright place and I can see every corner. No, it's when you you hear the little drips of the blood on the floor and you get This was this was creepy. Yeah. Man. Yeah, like, what's going on in the shadows? Like
4: that's that's scary. They they play with that a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's so tremendous the way they do it. Uh it reminded me of how they they've used the um the sort of a uh, dissociative identity, like uh, yeah. you, you you, lose like little gaps of time, but mm-hmm. they, they, your imagination in those gaps uh, is so much cooler than anything that could probably show on, on screen. The way they suggest action sometimes in this series is really inventive uh, and it, it plays like just incredibly. I think that it's some of the best um, just put together Marvel stuff. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm just being uh, yeah. like broad about it, like this is so well made uh, and, in, in just a filmmaking sense. I, I was really uh, all,
0: all about this episode. And, and it's funny because this scene, it's such a simple mm-hmm. setup of a scene. Like we've seen the setup of a scene like this played out a million times throughout TV and mm-hmm. cinema where the one person, like this ghoul, is just to the side of Layla He doesn't know yeah. Layla's there Layla's hiding from him She's trying not to breathe right She can't even breathe because he'll hear her it's like, and, it's like the velociraptors in Jurassic Exactly Park. right And yeah. and then from above Steven can see all of this happening Because yeah. he's standing above He's got to try to not make a noise also But he's thinking right there while he's watching How can I help Layla How can I maybe get her out of the situation that's that she's in And yeah. This zombie priest He's just like rustling through the organs of, his, of this man You know And we keep hearing that clicking And then all of a sudden The ghoul priest This heck of priest Spots Steven And he starts to head for him So as he goes after Steven Layla has to step in She throws something across the room To make a distraction And as she runs off Steven says hey Run I'll find you and as she runs away, Steven's able to like push this big, like desk sort of table mm. down, and it does squish and, and startle. <laughs> I, I don't know if it killed this guy, but it, it seemed to definitely uh, stop him for a little while. Cause I'm not sure if yeah. the next one we see is a the same heck of priest or right. a different one, right? It, there could be I, a bunch I had of. I the that. same question. Yeah. Like, but what, what a great it? moment.
4: It was. <laughs> so he, the
0: he said, the like, comedy there. It. I squished yes. it.
4: He was so excited with himself, you because know, he's. I laughed so much at that. Lunch. He's
0: so inadequate, you know, compared to Layla. Where it's like, oh no, now this guy's gonna be stuck trying to deal with this this heck of priest. And he, uh, he did did a great job. He dropped he dropped it right on top of him. Another Wizard of Oz, right? He dropped the he dropped the house right on top of the uh, the witch in the Wizard of Oz. So Layla runs off, and as she's running through, remember she's running through this tomb. Which is like this dark, like the inside of a mountain. Basically, is what, what you look like here, where you don't know where mm-hmm. you're going, and you, she doesn't have a map or she doesn't have a you know uh, a compass and to tell her exactly where to turn right and left and north and south. And so she runs off to a dead end. She almost falls off this huge cliff. She throws another one of her flares down there to see how like deep the drop is, and it's it's pretty damn deep. And then yeah. she hears that. Noise behind her like That clicking sound She says Steven. And it's not Stephen And as she climbs around this really Thin ledge she's got to kind of scale This wall She looks as if she's made it across And then we hear another Slight noise behind her And this heck of priest it was a really cool Kind of like jump out moment we don't get Too yeah. many of those in the MCU you know Like a real Scare you like, you know, kind of trying to 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 freak you out, and she gets pulled back by this yeah. kind of priest, and for a few moments into the darkness, darkness. Yeah, we don't see her. We don't know if she's dead. We don't know if she's going to be bitten like a zombie. She. We just kind of hear her trying to fight out of it, and uh, I, I thought, oh, man, I really like. I really liked this episode. I thought a lot of this was good. It was. It felt scary because sometimes it can be. Yeah. When they try to go scary or serious, that we've said, they can be a little funny or silly. This felt very scary. Yeah, they pulled it off. I mean, uh, the way that, like,
4: just this shot here, this one shot where they're pushing in on her, uh, the the priest grabs her from the back and pulls her into the dark abyss, and then we linger. That the shot doesn't cut; it continues to push inward towards her, and we don't know what's gonna happen. She. She kind of escapes the darkness for a moment, so we get like a secondary jump scare. You know, we 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 it it, uh, it goes on beyond just that one jump scare. It, it, it's not just a um, a gimmick, you know. They really thought this thing through and orchestrated something special for us. So this moment uh, stood out to me, and this moment this episode was filled with those moments. Uh, wow. I always go back to it. Like, what were those memorable uh, moments? What were those money shots? This was one of them. I mean, this this could have been on the big screen. Uh, and I, I'm so yeah. so glad that they really put the time uh, and effort into this series because you know as I've been saying some of, some of these MCU series they've been faltering and I, they really needed to do a good project that was just solid prestige quality um, that was re- that's really unassailable and th- this series so far has done that uh, better than I think any MCU TV uh, properties so far
0: yeah the moment This episode alone there are like four or five things That you think about that you're Easily. gonna rem- That you're gonna remember the, the, the punching himself in the face Part yeah. you know that's a Little thing and just some of The goofy uh comedy Between the two of them and then Obviously when we get to the mental hospital in a little Bit and just like mm-hmm. the feeling when you Get in there the walking around the Finding Alexander the Great's tomb there's just a a lot of cool, rich, rich stuff in here. She yeah. she actually pulls one of its uh she pulls the arm off of this Hecka priest. Oh, and and yes. and so after she pulls its arm off, it's still coming at her. And and it's even scarier because now the arm is got this like bone that's coming at yeah. like a point. It's almost a compound
4: it's like, fracture she's yeah. using to stab at her with
0: like she's like, stabbing so cool. at her with the end of this this broken bone, and she's doing everything that she can. It's like the sharp remnants of the arm. She ends yeah. up using the flare again and busts it right mm-hmm. in the face. Man, she's craft clap- she's crafty with these flares, and yep. she ends up uh, winning the battle. And I love that after she does, she just "Sits there," and she just lets out this scream. She just bellows like, "Ah," mm. <laughs> which, it's I mean, primal. yeah, it was it is this. Primal, great scream, and you you feel it from her. She's really she's like at her lowest point
4: at that point. She like just barely survived. She's given everything to to stay alive at that moment. And then what is she met with? An Arthur Harrow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's she turns over and she just sees him. But then then they cut. They go back to Steven for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. We're gonna pick back up with Layla and Harrow in a bit. Steven Mm -hmm is looking around and he finds what looks to be something very important because he can see the way that this tomb has been um, has been built and all of the things around this particular sarcophagus that he's going to be leading into he says oh, wow okay tomb fit for a pharaoh and he's like oh my gosh this has got to be a big one undoubtedly the second nefertiti oh it's one of the big ones and as he's walking in Mark talks to him Says so you kissed her huh And Stephen's like uh you know yeah I did you know what what are you gonna do try to drown us Now huh huh Mark says I should but you also Told her the truth about why I've been Pushing her away and that was Unexpected that's the moment Right that's the moment where Mark Kind of Where Mark realizes that Stephen and him Aren't on the opposite sides Or or where I think that was The moment when he heard even when he kissed her just the fact that he told her before he kissed her i think as mark continues to think about it and stew on it he realizes that this guy was still being honest and not throwing me under the bus right he wasn't going in and trying to mm-hmm. steal my girl and talking trash about me he was he was being honest with everything and if she picks him yeah. or picks this guy then so be it you know i th- i feel like this was a big you know a big moment for them because It was something that Mark would any guy Would be pissed off about right you tried To kiss their girl and he had told you not to yeah. But this This felt like a big a big moment Or kind of a big uh, um, a pa- Reason for These two guys to sort of start to come together Like a, a respect yeah. I think As we we see I love at the End of the episode when they hug I thought that was awesome <laughs> And we, it was a turning yeah.
4: point in understanding for, for Mark, I mm-hmm. think, uh, yep. like not only in understanding, you know, his counterpart's motivation, Stephen's motivation, but in uh, kind of understanding Layla's reaction. And I think he kind of saw a way out, like a, a solution, whereas yep. before he would imagine that there was really no way to make this thing work, to figure, mm-hmm. figure things out. But once it once it got started he's now seeing like a, a, maybe some kind of a path for reconciliation
0: So Stephen keeps looking around and dude he's freaking out right now And he is freaking out as he's getting closer and closer he's like wait no Look at all these relics Macedonian no that's not this can't be that's Macedonian But the only pharaoh that but he insisted on calling himself Egyptian but I think we're looking at the long lost tomb of Alexander the Great, which is something that is still long lost. It has never been found, and it is it's like one of those you know wonders of the world type where people will forever be looking there there are going to be treasure hunters, the Nicholas cages of the world, right from a uh, right. national treasure <laughs> they're going to be looking for for this forever and Stephen has stumbled upon one of the greatest findings in the entire world, right here.
4: Yeah, I love this kind of stuff. Again, this like a historical fiction kind of thing. Uh, it, I think it's just it, it captures the imagination in a really exciting way. It, it just weaves a sense of adventure uh, into the story and and, and grandiosity and importance. Uh, and connection to the real world, too. I love that when, when they make it about real history, uh, it makes all these you know wildly fantastic things that we're doing in these stories and experiencing in, in these stories. Um, it makes them that much more tangible.
0: So we now flash back over to Layla and Harrow. Harrow tells Layla, you handled that beautifully. He's just watched her deal with the heck a priest. <laughs> and she goes. Why do all men like you feel it necessary To be just so condescending What's up with all the mansplaining bro You know seriously (laughs) Come on you gotta do that And uh, she You know she Kind of gives him a look And we hear more guns firing off in the distance And he says something In a a different language That I think he says my little scarab Mm. Because he repeats it right after And he says my little scarab And that gets her attention and he, he is the, the thing about Arthur that we know now This dude's a smart guy He's a very good manipulator We saw what he did with the council of the gods with the, In the Inead meeting there And how he played them He knows exactly how to play people That's what these cult leaders do They know how to play on you And tell you the things that you Either want to hear or don't want to hear He knows Layla's father is right. a sensitive subject And he's playing her by telling her all these things, my little scarab, isn't that what your father used to call you? Abdullah al fawli one of e- Egypt's important. most unique archaeologists. He says her name. He says the father's name. He tells us a little bit about who he is, right? These are, these are things that we need to know.
4: And so and- um, that's also noteworthy. I looked this up. The scarlet scarab from the comics goes by that name. So there might be some kind of connection here where maybe that's part of the lineage Uh, or Layla's lineage here is that maybe her father uh, is in this world, some, you know, iteration of a scarlet scarab. Maybe that's her destiny is to uh, carry on that
0: mantle. And Arthur continues on. Your father was one of Egypt's most unique archaeologists. He would be so proud of you if he knew that you were among the first to confirm for the world what he always believed, that Egyptian gods walked among us. Again, he's smart you, you butter him up a little bit, right? <laughs> you compliment the father Compliment you Wow, great job in that situation You right. handle that beautifully Hey, my little scarab You know, a name that your dad would call you Your dad was one mm-hmm. of the most unique archaeologists So he's not saying anything quite yet Too bad He's, he's pumping her up a little bit He even goes yeah. on these are the scales they achieve their judgment by revealing to me moments of sin and pain And your husband he is in agony more pain than anyone could bear But he still hasn't told you the truth And I mean think about where Layla is gotta be uh, like mentally right here She almost died
4: right
0: She first off she's yeah. in this place where it's like all of her life's work has come together now And she's finally mm. made it into this place then she's in this place where all she can possibly be thinking about is her father and the death of her father. And now Harrow is pl- not even discussing all the stuff that's going on with Steven and Mark and all the emotions that she is right. going on with them and who is there and what. And now this guy, Harrow, is going to tell her right now that Mark, that her husband basically killed her father. Like, Yeah. She's just wearing yeah. a lot right now.
4: It's turning her world uh, uh, upside down, and she's at that most vulnerable moment, right? Like she just did that primal scream, almost died. She's got like almost nothing left to give in that moment. And then he just comes in, and so she's going to be so su- susceptible to anything that he says. And he's using the truth, uh, you know, maybe his own bended version of the truth uh, to manipulate her and to get a reaction out of her here, Um but uh, it, uh, just a, a great scene. I love it. I love the way it affects uh, us as the audience, too, because there's just a little part of us that wants to believe him or questions things because of what he's saying, too, because he's using the truth. We're in her shoes, in, in a way, because we we don't know the truth about that backstory. Yeah. He knows more than us at this mm-hmm. point. And we also know that uh, Mark and Steven uh, are not r- reliable characters in that mm-hmm. they are, you know, they're just so they have a dissociative identity thing they're they're not seeing reality for what it is so even if they're they don't mean harm they might be you know operating on a completely different uh like reality level like like something that's not real they're not Mm -hmm. might not be experiencing real reality so you know there's a part of me as an audience member that goes uh maybe maybe mark and steven are bad like like maybe uh you know, Harrow is right here and he's actually on the side of good and he's going to show us now that, you know, um, Mark has been under the spell of Conshu all this time and that he's not seeing things clearly. And then that's going to be the whole role reversal twist. Um, you know, I don't think they're going that way, but they're planting those seeds in just the right ways to make you question things. And they do that
0: in so many different ways. So we get back to Stephen and Mark They're at Alexander the Great Sarcophagus. And uh, he said everything is screaming inside me not to open this But Mark tells him you want hero to get to Amit first All right so Stephen opens and he's looking around Where's the y- you shop the okay so he thinks about it Okay so if you're gonna hide this for all eternity You'd probably put it in a place where the average looter wouldn't think to look So Mark asks him okay what do you think Stephen kind of talks it out Okay hmm Alexander was the voice of Ahmed. I'm going to try something here. And he rips off the covering on the face of the mummy. And then he breaks open the mouth. And he's, as he's doing it, he's, like, sorry, oh, <laughs> sorry, God, so sorry, sorry, Mr. Great. He calls <laughs> it Mr. Great. Mr. Great, which just right. got me. And he sticks his arm into the throat part of this. Skeleton he says alright open up Sorry Mr. Great uh, sorry I couldn't Be more sorry uh, ooh, ooh. And, and as, he's, <laughs> as he's Putting his hand down there I love that Mark goes yeah buddy that's it get in There reach in there buddy <laughs> <Yeah. You> know, <laughs> Giving him moral Support it's like oh god Get in there buddy you can do it You can do it <laughs> As uh We then have a moment where we feel like something's about to happen But we get back over to Arthur and to Layla. And he tells Layla, your father was murdered by mercenaries. No one knows who they were, do they? She says, so you're saying Mark was one of them? He says,
1: you said it.
0: (laughs) What do you think? Mark remembers everything that happened that day. Everyone who died. But one man stands out. Man with the fuchsia scarf. Scare of details. Handmade. Maybe by his daughter. And know, says, are you done? he says I hope you do find closure So she You know she doesn't go back and forth With him she doesn't try to defend Mark or anything She doesn't really know I, and I think she's Kind of at the, the point of uh, You know she's beyond defending Mark And so this is This is a tough spot for her Because she's, she's here now and like you said her whole World is being thrown upside down She has important Tasks at hand yet Everything in her life emotionally And everything that she's known She's just found to be kind of a lie, and
2: yeah. and
4: she's be- found it to be a lie. That's important yeah. that you said it that way because yeah. he never he never actually comes out and says anything specific. He he never lies. Our Arthur Harrow tells no lies here. No, he just refers to things. He leads her, mm-hmm. and she makes all these conclusions, uh, and 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 that's going to make it that much more effective in the manipulation because. You know she's coming to these conclusions herself. She's not feeling like uh, he 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 didn't say, "Hey, Mark killed your dad." He just said he remembers everyone that died that day, and one man stands out uh, and she's just drawing all these conclusions herself. so mm-hmm. that's gonna be so much more real in her head because she you know she came
0: there herself. yep, he's just trying to divide, and she mm-hmm. she he just kind of throws it out there and she she lets the the rest happen she she puts the clues together. One of Arthur's men Comes and says sir we found another way And we Flash back over to Stephen He has now found the Ushapti Of Amit And he celebrates As Layla Kind of walks in slowly And he's pumped he's happy He's celebrating he's like Layla look we won And the Ushapti goes to us (laughs) I had to go Digging down old Alexander the Great's Gullet but I found it and she's walking up all slowly. She doesn't say anything. She's not excited. She's not happy. There's obviously something wrong. She goes, hey, can you you hear me, love? Uh, are you all right, love? She's furious. She goes, can he hear me? Steven goes, Alexander. I don't think so. God, I hope not. And she's furious. She says, what happened to my father? I'm talking to you. Steven's confused. She says, I'm talking to you, Mark. And she kind of pushes Stephen in the chest angrily. And then. <laughs> Mark comes out and Right away he says hey let's go come on let's go But Layla says no She's upset she, Mark is understanding hey look Hero's men are out there We're inside of this tomb there are important things Happening but Layla would be is, Layla's in shock right now Yeah, She's This is her husband and she found out that He may have just killed her father And she asks him Point blank did you kill Abdullah El Fowley? And Mark says no of course not Of course I didn't She says but you were there And he wants to answer it differently He really does but he decides Not to lie this time Yeah. Says I was there My partner got greedy and he executed Everyone at the dig site I tried to save your father but I couldn't Save him and I She's furious she said you brought a killer Right to him But you, you could tell Mark is is being honest here, it feels like he, he said, You know, yeah. he shot me too. I was supposed to die that night, but I didn't die that night and I should have. I've tried to tell you since the moment we met. And she's, you know, she's kind of like anybody would be at this point. You're crying and you're emotional. So she laughs a little. She's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, really? And he, he says, I didn't know. She interrupts him. That's the reason we met. You just had a guilty conscience
4: Oof. It's like was it all a lie, a lie To her in right? that moment Like she feels like everything was based on a lie Her marriage you know her love uh, Was all founded on that lie So does that like invalidate everything Does that mm-hmm. mean she's a fool For yeah. for loving this man Like she's feeling all that Who is that this moment? guy even also, Right yeah. is it even
0: like then, it, Yeah Yeah
4: and the rage and the and and just grief over her father, which is probably still pretty fresh. Um I'm not sure exactly how much time has gone on, but I don't think that much time. You know, it couldn't no. be more than a few years. No. Um if if that, you know, I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's, you know, a year. Not a year, months. months. Yeah. 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 So it's gotta be still very fresh
0: to her. We there they continue to try to find another way out and Mark is now surrounded by Arthur and his followers And they've all got guns As they're standing right around the area of Alexander the Great's sarcophagus And Arthur has found his way following the golden scarab So he tells Mark The rest is silence I remember the first morning I woke up knowing that Conchu was gone The quiet was liberating You're a free man now and of course with that freedom comes choice And right now you have a very important decision to make Mark sees the people all around with guns pointed at him And he tries to fight them off That This is the moment where he has to make the decision His decision is to try to fight out of it But without the help of Konshu, without the help of the suit He doesn't make it very far I mean, he it's sort of in a weird way Because it it's not the end of the series or anything, but it's kind of anticlimactic where it's like, oh, my God, he just shot him in the chest yeah. like twice and he's just dead or whatever. Like, he's just like, what? Oh, my gosh. As uh, Arthur just plucks him a couple times and after getting shot, Mark mm-hmm. falls backwards into mm-hmm. the water as arthur says i can't save anyone who won't save themselves a line that he's repeated a few times throughout the series and we get these visuals here tim of like I love it he he first he falls through into the water and it's like he's going he's,
4: down at first he's yes. descending at first yes, and then the camera kind of moves relative to him to almost where it feels like he's
0: ascending yes. without cutting i he, loved this moment Loved he's it. not and then he's like he's through the water
1: mm-hmm. Like
0: he's beneath it It's like there's this little bit of water that he goes through And then he's just sort of like floating in this space And you can see his yeah. body doesn't even have the bullet hole anymore It's like he's passed through this form And yeah. Going to a different plane
4: It It really truly captures the sense that he's traversing you know planes of existence mm-hmm. uh going to the afterlife so it feels like he's ascending and descending at the same time in this really trippy surreal kind of a way and uh very much you know evokes there's, the the imagery of you know the e- egyptian stuff the uh what is it the the field of reeds i think he has to yeah, pass yeah, through they, and, and go go to hell uh, hel hell
0: i couldn't really put my finger on it until now but there's definitely some good place vibes You know Mm. when they go from this into this little like mental hospital that we see next, but before we get there, we are inside of Tomb Buster. We are right. We are in this scene of this movie, and it's. I mean, it's basically like you know it's Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones slash like something you'd see in Jumanji. You know, It, it like that. That's where you you are right now, and. Rosser is this little Young kid and we have Dr. Stephen Grant who's basically Like the Indiana Jones type character I mean this is a straight Indiana Jones Ripoff you can even hear Like the the music Sort of sounds like it's straight out of India yeah. and It is un- Unbelievable how we go from like Following Stephen and now all of a Sudden like I remember When this happened It's it's like one of those parts When you're watching a show or a movie and you're like did they put the wrong thing in here? <laughs> right. You're like it's so some, jarring. Did did somebody put like the wrong part? Was this something that was supposed to be in like a different movie or show? Did they did they label it wrong? You know, it's like yeah. you you don't even know where you are. It's and, 4 by
4: 3 we do have yeah. aspect ratio change. Uh, so uh, immediately I'm thinking WandaVision, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I I love that little connection there. It's not meant to really Connect uh, in a, in a literal sense, but it's it's doing the same thing, you know, w- with the with the form.
0: These two are in this scary jungle. It's basically, you know, the Indiana Jones character and his his uh, his right hand man, and in Rosser. The the last lines that we hear from them is the Rosser says, "No, but I'm just a lad trying to do my best." You're <laughs> Doctor Stephen Grant, and. Yeah. <laughs> And then the screen pulls back And we see that we've just been watching This movie And, mm-hmm. and we're in A mental hospital Like a mental institution There's white all over the place mm-hmm. And we start to see People one by one That were different characters In the episodes we've seen That Steven and Mark have interacted With in their lives The first yeah. person that we see is a guy calling bingo numbers And it was the, the street performer Crawley mm-hmm. The guy who was yes. painted in all the gold That Steven would come and talk to Outside the museum And this guy's calling bingo numbers And he calls uh, B-22 everyone B-22 anyone got B-22 Don't be afraid to speak up Come on B-22 He's calling bingo numbers that don't exist on a bingo card Right <laughs> So like, he's Very listing surreal. numbers And the thing that you notice right away As they start to pan Like all of the people that we see Are people that we've already seen In some way shape or form In either Steven or Mark's day to day live That we've we've looked in the first couple episodes And two So you start wondering Like you're looking around and it's like Okay what the hell Is this all in his head Is this all fabricated But the thing I noticed right away is This isn't a real mental institution either because there's right. too many things that are off There's too many it's too things clean. That, It's too clean There's sharp objects In places yeah. The guy's pushing a They're, cupcake tray around Right Why are you they know? giving them a, hopping him up on a bunch of sugar yeah. <laughs> That wouldn't happen and Even when they get into Hero's office in a minute He's got sharp sharp objects All over yeah. his desk These are things that would not be in a mental institution So Wow there is a lot going on. I think we referenced this before too. This is like you get the these Willy Wonka vibes, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the Wonka vision of TV with the whole white, like really clean white. You feel like yeah. Wanda Vision too, like we mentioned a lot in, in that show, and now, I got a little bit
4: of two thousand one Space Odyssey,
0: hundred percent. Twelve to the, the film. I mean, when we, he's when he's dying in that like the hospital room. Oh yeah, uh, and it's all white. We get 12 monkeys I mean no doubt about 12 monkeys um, Here and obviously Lots of fight club throughout When you get the punch the fighting That's one of the major scenes right The fighting yourself scene when he's punching himself We kept talking about me myself and Irene Fight club is uh, obviously one that I think a lot of people would, Would go right to and, the punch,
4: wow. the punch earlier was very much out of Fight Club,
0: right? The, the, the way he
4: pu- like Tyler. punched up at himself. Yep. I guess there there's, you're limited in the ways that you can punch yourself. So, no, yeah, only you're, so right. you're not going to punch down swing, as much. But the upper swing cut, at like, your own face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I think I think it was meant to uh, evoke that moment uh, and uh, and uh, call back to it.
0: So these are all people that Stephen has come across or Mark has come across, but they're all like a little bit different. They all have a different persona. They're not the same versions that we've been introduced to. And yeah. different accents, I think, too. Different accents. Donna is in there, the boss. She's got yeah. a she's got the stuffed scarab. A stuffed yeah. little animal plushy version of the scarab. There's Beck, who was the guy um uh that was like the guard that we saw a couple nights mm-hmm. before. The bingo numbers keep being called and we're, we're led over to Steven who's in a wheelchair And he's yeah. heavily medicated yeah. And Man this was the moment when I just said What is real Like <laughs> is
1: yeah. his
0: mind Inventing these things He's dead now is this all in his head Like is any of this stuff been real Is you know and, and then you see Layla And she's just this crazy girl in here With him in the yeah. mental institution she's nuts and she says i changed the movie it's been 5 times this week okay <laughs> so now it's like has he been watching this movie so much that he's created this world where he's steven you know and he thinks he's this treasure hunter yeah. i i love what they have done here I, I i mean and layla's nuts she looks down at the bingo card and and mark's card is one and she so she steals it from him she says hey i've got you you won and she says and she calls out i won and she looks over and says i'll share it with you this time so she's she's stolen his bingo winnings before and i love how it sort of like plays into her character of being a thief you know like i'd steal from the rich she's kind of the robin hood type so she'll steal from there but oh man this was this was scary But incredible! Like I just, there is so much to notice when you rewatch this scene a couple different times. You're gonna find three or four different things in the background. I mean, from Layla to Crawley, the detectives, they're they're cupcakes. You know, the cupcakes, cupcakes Um, in the cupcake truck. The girl that he was supposed to go on the date with, Dylan. She's sitting there in the background. Donna Beck. uh, There's a goldfish symbol. Hell. There's hmm. a Moon Knight action figure on the floor. Yeah, the how does that even too. like make sense? Yeah, yeah, the the bingo numbers aren't real, and it's like the yeah the people we've seen, but it's if it's as if to you know, they're making it look like if what we've seen might have all been created in Stephen in Mark's mind. Just a fascinating way yeah. of of presenting film and television here. As and
1: it's and
4: it's not new either it, it's no. a fresh take on something old like you mentioned earlier wizard of oz it's just like that last scene in wizard of oz where it's mm-hmm. like oh no this maybe actually happened like I it just was hit all my head. kind of based on yeah based on real characters in, in your life and that's how dreams kind of work right you know you mm-hmm. can have you'll have characters in your dreams who are based on maybe real characters in your life or you'll have real characters in your life that appear in your dreams but they're not quite the same that might be Amalgams or they might change you might have a Person in your dream who's like a character and all of a sudden That's a different person and you just kind of accept It Uh, dreams are Weird like that you know reality is Is weird and our our Perspectives and perceptions are uh, Very contextual I think Arthur touches on that uh, Very
0: shortly here So Mark Tries to get up Out of his chair And when he does This was one that got me too. TK yeah he yeah. falls The way that we saw him Fall in episodes one and in Two you know that he has that fall right on his Face yep. and and he his looks down restrained. It was because he was restrained to the Wheelchair that he was in just and like His bed yeah and so Now episodes. I'm going oh my gosh Is all of this in his head was like the Restraint right. on the bed not even There did he never really fall over In the Alps on his face when he Woke up was that mm. all Made up in his mind, and they're doing oh, they did such a great job just making the wheel spin in my head here. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the detectives is, uh, is a nurse in the hospital, and he's he helps Steven up after he's on the floor. And that's just yeah. when you, we see on the floor what looks like a Moon Knight action figure. And uh, they then go into the office of, I guess, a doctor, probably one of the higher ups here at the, uh, the mental hospital, and it's Arthur Harrow. And he's talking to Steven. He says, I know you're having a great deal of difficulty Being able to differentiate what's real And what's in your head Now, I said Steven, this is Mark In the mental hospital, this is Mark Because right. Arthur actually mentions Stephen in a moment But before, mm-hmm. he tells Mark I hope you don't mind, but I took the liberty of borrowing The film that you brought It was funny to see that my old VHS player still worked how many times would you say you've seen that movie Approximately so he's got The 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 cover of the movie Tomb buster on his desk And he's asking steven about it I keep saving steven he's asking mark About it right he says i like The villain no tree Can ascend to the light of heaven If it doesn't descend to the depths Of hell that's a good line The plot makes a real meal out of a Lunar god and didn't you Say that one worked for you So his Arthur's talking Stephen's like He's looking around I keep saying Stephen It's Mark Mark keeps looking around And uh Mark's looking around And he's he's obviously Heavily drugged yeah he doesn't Know what's going on but it's He's starting to piece little things together Because as he looks around Arthur's office there's a Painting of the Alps Yeah like where he woke up There's little like a prism Yeah there's an Egyptian statue Three. All over the place so there's all these little Things that you're wondering Did a person create this story In their head because they'd been Sitting in this office They'd been watching Is in the foreground of the shot too The cane right they've been watching this movie Did they just fabricate This entire story And Mark tries To speak And he can't Arthur goes on he says Given the production value of that film, I can't imagine too many other people have seen it. And uh, Mark tries to talk, but he just can't. He's, I think someone – I think someone – Arthur stops him. I know. I'm sorry about that. But remember, you're only sedated because of your own behavior, and the effects will wear off soon. Mark, we don't live in a material world. I thought he was going Madonna here for a second, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right. We live but in I'm a s-
0: material girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or boy, I guess. You know, uh, We live in a <laughs> psychic world. This is right, we're only able to make indirect inferences about the nature of reality Like take, for example, this pen To me, this is a writing utensil To my dog, it's a chew toy Both are accurate, but it's just a question of context and perspective All I'm asking is an honest assessment of your situation Mark tries to get his thoughts out he said, Everything reminds me Everything reminds me of an Arthur He's trying to get some thoughts out from Stephen He's trying to get Steve uh, Mark to talk And he even mentions the name Stephen And that's what seems to really get through to Mark Mark says, you know Stephen And Arthur responds, of course I know Stephen But Mark, I want to talk to you right now And we this is when we really see all of the things on In and around Arthur's office And that's to me how I this was the guaranteed giveaway that this isn't a real mental hospital. This guy's got sharp, dangerous right. objects on his desk that anyone could just take and jab someone with. There's no way that these would be in a regular mental hospital. And Arthur says that every time I ask you direct questions, you are triggered. You're overwhelmed, and that's normal. All right. Many of us, when asked to look into our innermost experiences, into the nucleus of our personalities We close our eyes It's understandable But I can't help you If you don't help yourself Same line mm. And that, that seems to unlock a lot For Mark That line It's a line that he's heard before He remembers it And it's like boom You shot me You right. shot me And Arthur's like oh shit You know, He, he knows now there, whatever this game that we've been playing Wherever we are, whatever manipulation's happening here Wherever Mark really is He's kind of found out that Okay, something's up And mm-hmm. he You know, Arthur says, hey We can't sit calmly here and take inventory of your feelings Mark gets up And he starts, he tries to get up He's like, stumbles to the floor He tries to run off And Arthur lets him know Look, I've un- I understand This is something that People say to people dealing with mental health Right look I've I've mm-hmm. Suffered from mental illness Breaks in psychic awareness ma- uh, Manic episodes followed by depression I know what you're feeling That's something that frustrates people right Cause right. It, it like it downplays What you're going through Oh, I know what right. you're feeling I've been there too It's like no you don't understand that my mind's Going crazy right now has just created All these things like you don't have a clue Yeah
4: yeah, and I, I like how at this point I, I still feel like um Arthur Harrow is giving us like a sincere we don't uh, know. performance here. I like, know, right? I, I'm 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 not reading this as like, oh, he, he's uh he's putting on a show or anything like that. I'm still like, okay, this is a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Like this is the new reality here. It does feel and like so the new it to, totally does. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does. So I'm even... I'm I'm
4: wondering if all of this is somehow a projection from inside Mark slash Stevens mind or if it's something to do with like you mentioned the good place, like if this is a supernatural it's very
0: WandaVision in that too, right? These mm-hmm. characters are the characters that we know, but they don't they don't seem like they're in on the joke or anything. They're mm-hmm. they're he's completely the same sort of Arthur, but this Arthur is the guy who's like the counselor, you know? Right. That's that's just the role there. So we don't know if if is this the real Arthur. Is there a, even an Arthur Harrow, you know, um treasure hunter that, that does that person exist? It's yeah. And
4: it's fast. funny the the dynamics are all kind of consistent too. So nothing's really betrayed on that level. Like mm-hmm. you know, all the people who are on his side are still kind of on his side. Yes. And the people who work for Arthur or work for Arthur, like the the, the cops uh, and the people the who are like his subordinates yes. are the, 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 yeah they're back was the, the one pushing here, the
0: so pushing the cart all, around too yeah it it's a great point fits the, in the roles scheme are still mm-hmm. similar of everyone here, and Mark tries to get away. He asks to unlock the door. Arthur tells him it can be healed. I know you can be healed. Mark says, "Stay away from me." And and as Mark runs off, Arthur tells the guards, "Don't hurt him." They try to uh, be gentle with him, and as they try to grab Mark he's able to fight his way out and he runs down the hallway and as he does this hallway is uh, moving it's shifting around yeah. and uh, I mean it's really creepy looking the way it, like out it, of
4: inception a little bit yeah it is another it is. it's uh, you know, that's another um, reference to like dreams in the dream world
0: you know this maze that you're trying to run through that kind of it moves as as you do, which is just terrifying. And he runs into a room, and inside of this room, there's a sarcophagus, and there's someone in the sarcophagus banging, let me out, let me out, please let me out, which is just terrifying to think in itself, right? Like <laughs> right. it's like the, the being buried alive is just god-awfully terrifying. And in the sarcophagus, he goes and opens it up. It's Steven. They're both now. In their human form and for the First time they actually embrace They hug and they're Mm. Happy to see each other I thought this was a really cool moment because They don't know what's going on There's no idea what is real what's not They're running around things in front of them are shape shifting. you don't know who you're talking to They feel like they're all drugged out and then At the very least you've got The part of you that used To make you crazy now makes you Comfortable like it's this yeah. steven and mark is this like oh, okay it's you okay we're good it's yeah, really funny
4: share, how it flipped right it, yeah it's 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 kind of awesome they're 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 sharing the same physical space for the first time ever and then that gives them an opportunity to uh to not be at odds with one each other they're not fight. they're not fighting uh over the body you know they have their own bodies and then so they can just be together and they can be essentially whole uh and unbroken right now um So it's 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 a huge first for these characters. And it's also another layer of the the mind fuck here because it's like, okay, how like how are they together? Like it must be uh, an illusion or something supernatural. This must be afterlife or some type of a dream or something like that. Like this isn't base reality. It can't be if they're both together or. Or it's, you know, we, we, there's always been two And that that seems that seems more far-fetched That there would have always been two And then the, this is somehow um, we're, The real, I don't know I, That doesn't make sense to me No, but, no, uh, but
0: it's, a, that's what's great Is that there isn't, I mean There's a few different things that this could be mm-hmm. As they talk to each other What's the last thing that you remember Right When Steven says Harrow shot us And Mark is so excited that they're on the same page <laughs> That they have like a similar memory that that okay what we went through was real and that this mm-hmm. can't possibly be real you know because we both have these same memories and that's I, I think where they're going like you said this has to be like this an afterlife the one mm-hmm. one of the things we know about Konshu is that in the comics Konshu resurrected Moon Knight many times that was one of his powers mm-hmm. as a god that he could bring people back from the dead. And so, maybe that's where we're going. We also had a line in episode three when Conchu said, "When the gods trap me, tell Mark to set me free." He told Stephen right. that, so that we're led to believe that this is something that you can that's, that's happened before, or there's a way out of it. And I, I love this moment mm. with Stephen and with Mark coming together. Yeah. They're excited. They're on the same page. Mark opens the door and they're off, trying to find their next move. Okay, come on, here we go. Follow me, and they go past a nearby room, and there's another sarcophagus making yeah. noise, like there's someone in there. Like I a wonder. Third personality. Yeah, and and that's people are saying the the Jake Lockley character, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder why they Certainly. didn't go in and open it up.
4: Good question. Yeah, <laughs> right. What well, was it? Yeah, I mean was it because that things were just so hectic in, in there it, it,
0: uh, right and that was that's what
4: I'm thinking they just had but to get
1: going.
0: They did look cuz I I went back a few different times just to make sure the door mm-hmm. was open when they walked by yeah. so they absolutely would have heard it and like made the decision to not go open it up. It wasn't that's like they walked past the door and the door wasn't open and and then we saw through the window that this sarcophagus was moving. So I I do think they made a distinct Choice to not open it up which I kept asking why but um I mean if we if we got Steven in one sarcophagus there's probably a different a different uh personality in another one right
4: yeah exactly you can only uh, assume that and and I I gotta think it's it's Jake Lockley you know the the, the, the taxi driver and it kind of does make sense as well uh you know taxi driver had that big Ending uh it's not a it's not like an action movie by any stretch but the end is this like kind of perverse uh vigilante action sequence that happens um i could see that maybe they're saving this character for the end and he's gonna do some some crazy killing spree or something to help him get out of it i i wouldn't be surprised if we saw that in
0: episode five or six yeah i think that's that's where we're going and so as as these two open a door to to move through a hallway <laughs> the episode ends where we see a huge hippo like what the yeah. hell is this it's the hippo if it's a hippopotamus this is Tauret, the goddess mm-hmm. of childbirth and fertility fertility in egyptian mythology like why the hell is she here now she was yeah. mentioned in episode mm-hmm. 1 in the gift yeah. shop we saw a little uh, stuffed uh, hippo pushes uh, yeah. that yeah. he mentions, a whole box but of them. she just shows yeah. up out of nowhere and she goes hi it's
1: like <laughs> yeah it
0: was, it was, like wiggles her ears scream, and scream <laughs>
1: ah!
0: and it was just a funny way to end an insane last like 10 minutes of this episode
4: yeah uh, very surreal uh comedic ending to uh an episode that had everything it had like mysticism and and true moments of of horror jump scares romance adventure mystery uh great uh comedy character driven comedy and then just absolute balls to the wall surreal stuff at the at the end i mean trippy stuff uh this is my favorite kind of of media this is like this is pop culture uh like fun stuff that actually has some meat to it that makes you think i mean when i'm thinking but I'm thinking 2001: A Space Odyssey. I, I, I'm in. That's that's my my zone. You know what I yes. mean? Like that's where I kind of my brain wants to be stimulated on on that level. But I also yes. like to have superheroes punching bad guys as well. That's that's a fun thing for me too. So when those things can meet on something like this, this is this is brilliant.
0: It checks so many of the boxes. Like mentioned movies like Fight Club, Twelve Monkeys, The Mummy, mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. Obviously, major Indiana Jones, national security vibes. And we get all the great, rich, ancient Egyptian um, history I love the Alexander the Great stuff Yeah. And what I'm actually really excited about for the last couple episodes moving forward Is just, we're probably going to get a lot of Moon Knight in these couple episodes coming up And at least maybe the final one, in which we mm-hmm. haven't gotten all that much I mean, in this episode we got none of, of mm-hmm. the actual Moon Knight character So there are going to be right. some cool badass moon knight scenes still to come when uh mm-hmm. when we see steven and mark kind of getting some of the powers in the suit and the capabilities back <sighs> good episode man this thing this thing hit on all the feels for me and i'm extremely yeah. pumped up uh, i'm glad we got to talk about it earlier in the week too because it's even a little a uh, little fresher with uh with just a yeah. few days after having watched it and i'm pumped man we only have two more left can you believe it uh, yeah, it,
4: it flies right by. And this is that crucial area where I, you know, we've talked about this almost every time the third act is is where Marvel movies tend to have their weakest points. So can they continue this hot streak that they've done so far in this in this series uh, of, of just really quality episodes uh, of, of premium content, uh, you know, prestige TV, I'll call it that like I. Uh, I think this is a, a program that uh, a star like Oscar Isaac can be proud of and, and put, you know, this is not some, some paycheck, uh, you know, studio no. thing, one for them, one for me, kind of a, a, a deal. This is something that I think uh, will stand the test of time and, and is, uh, is, is worthwhile for audiences. And I, I think artistically, you know, for the people making it, I think that they really put a lot into this, the direction, you know, everything has been really good so far. So If they can keep that up through these last two episodes I will be very impressed And very happy with uh, this
0: Series as a whole And we will be here with you each of the next two And every time there's something new In the world of Marvel and MCU With Doctor Strange coming up In just a few weeks we'll be Breaking that down scene by scene uh, Probably a couple weeks after we'll give ourselves A couple opportunities to go watch that thing Hopefully we'll go check it out together And uh, TK man thank you so much I know you're hanging out with the family You're on the east coast you were able to carve out some time uh, With me again this week And for all the fans out there who I know love watching uh, Watching the shows and then hearing our thoughts On it so uh, can't tell you Thank you enough for all your help and I hope you have a great rest Of your weekend with the family over there Look forward to talking episodes 5 and 6 With you in the next couple weeks Thanks so much it's been a blast Don't go anywhere folks but actually do go Over and follow Tim on social Media at Tim is not funny On Twitter and on Instagram check out Ice cream fire their uh, music Project there It does a fancha- uh, fantastic Job with Tim and uh, wife Jackie Hope the family's doing all well Tell the little uh, give the little man some love for me And I'll talk to you okay. next week buddy Thanks. Same to you. Folks, do not go anywhere. We still have a lot more to discuss on this episode of That's What G Said. Thank you to Tim Kelly for helping us out while he was uh, out on the East Coast. So nice catching up with TK earlier in the week to talk some Moon Knight. Thanks to Eric for helping us out with NBA. And hopefully, we will lead you to some winners there with Barry Spears, our good friend. He's there with us every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Come hang out with us and uh, watch the uh, the video version every Friday morning, get you all set up for the weekend action. Good luck. We'll be back next week. It's the calm before the storm, before the Kentucky Derby just a few weeks out. Louisiana Downs, we're going to be talking a lot about them uh, in a couple weeks uh, from there on out. So Really looking forward to what's ahead. Thanks for always hanging out with us here on That's What G Said.